Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Opposites React, where my wife and I will discuss anything, well, anything that comes to mind, basically, usually media, uh, video games, movies, but anything in general in life that we feel like we want to talk about, so, anyway, so. pass it over to my wife. I'm Tyler, this is my wife, Sam. Yeah, hello. Like I said, this is new to us, so, uh, we've been growing pains the first episode, <laughs> once we get into the flow of it, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll, we'll find a rhythm here for what we want to discuss, so. You've started off well, you brought a list. Yes, I did. And I'm a, just going to wing I, it. So. We have a list of work today of the things. So I, my my plan here was um, to just, because my memory is very bad, mm. uh, to sort of record my thoughts on things that I've, mostly movies that I, and TV shows that I've seen recently, then I'm going to forget about them or the details on them in a month or so. So if I write down the details right away, it helps me to, you know, jog my memory. Um, so that in mind, I did make it. Uh, so basically this month, since the start since January 1st, I've watched eight different um, movies or, t- or series. Um, mm-hmm. I try to watch new, try to experience new things. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really rewatching old stuff. I mean, I still like to rewatch Who's got old that stuff. time? Oh, I, I got time. There's, <laughs> just, there's so much other stuff to watch. It's, it's impossible to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, anyway, like I said, I uh, sort of had a plan going into January that I wanted to consume some new content. Some of it we watched, we watched together, which we will discuss, and other stuff I've watched on my own, so I just want to share my thoughts with you on that and, mm-hmm. and what you think about if any of that stuff interests you or what your thoughts are on that. Uh, yeah, because we have to explain first. Yes. In our marriage, there's one thing you despise about me. And? What do is, you think it is? Uh, procrastination? No! Well, that I hate movies. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. That's just... Right, now there's two things. <laughs> It's been over 10, I know, I know you hate well, movies. Yeah, because my goal of this is to get me to do something. Like, if I talk about, like, I, my memory is also not getting any mm. better. So I want to talk about things and force myself to hit a, say, like, set a goal yeah, we're and get thir- it done. Yeah, we're in our 30s, by no. the way, so you'll realize as you get older, <laughs> your memory is going to start to go, so that's why it's, yeah, you're, if, you can, if that helps you relate to us, we're in our early 30s, just so you know, so. <laughs> uh, so what you got first? Uh, so anyways, uh, the first thing was, now when I was trying to decide, because you know me, like, I'm very, like, I make a lot of lists. Obviously. You love your lists. I love, I love to just write things down. And, I know. Uh, I, your computer's probably more lists than anything else. <laughs> lots, of, yeah, lots of Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, anyways, so my idea going into January was I, 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 always, I always have a huge wish list of stuff to watch on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like taking stuff off the list or adding stuff on. And it's just like I, never, I can never just, I have that like, like choice paralysis. I never know what I want to watch. I wish there was just like a random button you'd have on Netflix. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Like some shuffle or something like yeah. that. I don't know. But so, anyways, going into. January. I want to start January with a good, like a really good film. I don't want to watch like a, a clunker to start yeah. out, you know, I mean, set the tone for the year. <laughs> right, so, right. so I'd, I'd had this movie on my wish list for a while. I, I'm not sure how long it's been on Netflix for. The movie only came out in 2018, so it can't have been on Netflix too long. Okay. But, um, so it was, it's called Leave No, Leave No Trace. Okay. Leave No Trace. Now, the reason it caught my attention, besides the fact that I really like the main actor in the film, we'll get into that in a minute, but this is, and I, I wrote some things down here so I get my stats right. I <laughs> understand. So, um, so this movie has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Is that rare? Like, I don't know how often so, that happens. Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But so, yeah, because I mean, 100% is obviously relative. Like, how many reviews is that? Yeah. It could be 100% over five reviews. Well, yeah. this is pretty impressive. It's 100% with 220 reviews. Whoa. So the okay. fact that, like, one person, like, one Did verified no. critic did not, like, yeah. so I knew something had to be special about this film. For sure. And here's an interesting stat. It's the second most reviewed film to hold 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what the number one film is? I, you're not going to guess. Like, I have no idea. The number one film, the only film on Rotten Tomatoes that has more total reviews, which is equal 100%, is Paddington 2. <laughs> Why? Apparently it's a really good movie. Well, okay. well, we watched Paddington 1, remember? Oh, yeah, uh, I fell asleep. 
yeah, you do fall asleep during movies a lot too, so it's very frustrating. But I know. And I think to be honest, to be honest, I think you would fall asleep in this movie because it's just it is very slow and deliberate, and it's definitely not for everyone. I would I would say I would have a hard time recommending this film to someone unless I really knew their taste because mm. it is very specific content and it is very slow. But I think there's really a lot to appreciate about it. So um, basically, here's the general. Here's like the one sentence synopsis. I'm just okay. going to present to you, and you tell me if you think it sounds interesting mm-hmm. to you. This is a synopsis directly off of the Wikipedia entry. So it says the uh, the plot follows a military veteran father with post traumatic stress disorder who lives in the forest with his young daughter. So, mm-hmm. so originally, that premise originally gives you an idea. In your head, you have multiple ways that could go, right? Like it's. And to give you some context, I guess, like, the, the when it says young daughter, like, in this case, she's, like, a high school kid. Oh, okay. So it's, and, he's, and he's probably in his, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s, I guess. I don't think they ever established his age in the film. But, um, so the, like I said, the thing that drew me to the film, like, the initial trailer even is, like, okay, you know, this could be interesting. It's obviously a drama. Um, you know, it's not going to be, like, an action film or anything. But, um, so the main actor, his name is Ben Foster. And he's been around for, I don't know, at least 15 years. Um, you know some of the and he's one of my favorite sort of underrated actors. Like surprisingly, like he's never had an Oscar nomination, even not even for this film, which I think is his best work. He uh, some of his other films you might know him from. I know you don't like the, any of the films, but some of the films <laughs> you might recognize him from would be like uh, Three Ten to Yuma. Oh yeah, he no. was Russell Crowe's henchman in that one, like his second in command kind of villain. Sure, I so anyways, you. But he plays a good villain, but he can play good <laughs> characters too. But his more recent prominent role besides this one probably would be a Hell or High Water. Oh yes, I did watch that one. Yeah, he plays the brother, Tanner. So not the the other one's Chris Pine. That's from Star Trek. Right. He's the other guy's you know from Kirk from Star Trek. Yeah. He's the one brother. This is the other brother, the one who like, was in prison and he's kind of oh, a rough. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. So anyways, he's uh, he's, okay, fine. Here's another one you would know. For <laughs> and, and unfortunately, to anybody listening to this, my wife like for some for every reason, my wife likes X Men: The Last Stand, which it's I think is best one. the worst X Men movie. <laughs> it's the best one. So he's the um, uh, he's the uh, angel in that one. Oh, okay. The guy who tries to cut off his wings at the yes, beginning. Okay, yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him. So, anyways, so like I said, really good actor. Um, and the other interesting thing about this one too is, uh, so the daughter in this case was a the actress who played the daughter. Sorry, she's a newcomer. Okay. So this was her first role, and I think she was like eighteen years old at the time she filmed this. Um, and her name's I hope I don't pronounce it wrong. Thomason McKenzie, first name's Thomason. Anyways, but she was great in this film too. Um. Another interesting thing about this, before I get to the international plot of the film here, is the uh, director of this film uh, is a woman named Deborah Granick. Okay. And her, um, the last film she did was actually was in 2010, so eight years between films here. Um, her other film was called Winter's Bone. I've heard of that. That's older, though. That was based on a book, though? Mm, I don't think it was based on a book. Oh. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm thinking book. of Lovely Bones. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, you're thinking Sorry. Of, yeah, You're definitely thinking of that. Okay, no, Winter's, I do own, actually, I own Winter's Bone on DVD. I haven't watched it in a, long, a number of years, but um, so Winter's Bone is also another really uh, well acclaimed film um, that uh, it was actually uh, Jennifer Lawrence's breakthrough role. So before oh. she did like Hunger Games and stuff, this was her first like. So I think it's interesting that like, and, and again, I, I could be totally wrong on this study. I'm looking it up, but I'm pretty sure that the uh, the director of of Leave No Trace, I think she also wrote the screenplay. Okay. So, and she may have done it for Winter's Bone as well. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, if that's true, then she obviously has a knack for writing for these strong female characters. Because I was right. saying, do a Christopher she... Nolan problem? They should get together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, so because obviously, like you know, when Jerry Lawrence was great in Winter's Bone, that sort of opened a lot of doors for her in Hollywood. And again, with this one, I think this actress, 
this Thomas McKenzie has mm-hmm. got a pretty good future ahead of her. I think she's already being cast a couple of other high profile okay. things. So she's uh, this, she obviously got a heads up here. But what I liked about this film, just to kind of sum it up quickly, move on, move on to the next slide. I don't want to talk about this for half an hour, but um, I could. I, I, probably, I, could, I could talk you about could. this for a long time. It's uh, yeah, it really left an impression on me. Like I, I watched it January 1st and I still think about it. Hmm, we're almost a whole month in. We never did say the date at the start of this podcast, did we? It's <laughs> January 29. I did it. I didn't yes, forget okay. this time. So, yeah, so we're almost at the end of January. Yeah. But, so basically, yes, I watch this movie at the start of January, and I still think about it constantly. Um, it's. Uh, what kind of impression did it leave? Well, yeah, it's just so hard. Okay, we should also preface, too, for anybody listening ahead of time. We will be talking about spoilers for these. Okay. So, so anybody who doesn't want to be spoiled, you can just, uh, I'll warn you before we discuss a new movie, so you can kind of skip ahead if you want. So we'll discuss spoilers for this one. Although it's not really a story-heavy films, so I'm not really going to spoil a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure if you just watch the trailer, you can kind of have an idea of where this movie's going. So, like I said, as I explained the plot, it starts out with, you realize the father has PTSD from... Well, they said in the synopsis. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm saying it was said in modern times. So I'm saying you probably have PTSD from like the Iraq war. I'm okay. Guessing. They don't, I don't think they specifically reference it, but given the time frame, I would say it's probably the Iraq war that mm-hmm. he was in. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I guess basically, and again, the film doesn't over explain it to you, which I like. The movie just yeah. starts out with them in the forest. They're like, you know, they're living, they're, they're, uh, I think she's hunting, you know, not hunting, she's gathering up mushrooms. He's making a fire. They have like a some basic uh, cooking supply. Like they have, I think they have a little uh, pro- propane tank with them and uh, like a little cooker they can cook stuff on, mm-hmm. but they're not really like they're still living off the off, off the, the grid, off the grid exactly. And then um, <clears throat> they get uh, like, but they're in like a they're in a. I'm pretty sure it takes place in Portland if I remember correctly. The film takes place in Portland, so they're living in a forest there, obviously. So they get spotted by so they're living in a public park, so they get spotted by um, like a hiker or a jogger or something, mm-hmm. and eventually the. Uh, the the police, the local police or sheriffs or whatever show up and, and arrest them for you know tres- technically they're trespassing in the parks they're living mm. there so they get brought back to some I don't know uh, community center or something uh, you know the daughter has to go through a psychological evaluation because they think that you know there's something weird because she's a high school kid living in the forest with her dad right and he has to go through this I don't know if this is a real I'm, I'm assuming it's realistic uh, I don't doubt the director but he has to go through this like exam where they hook him up to a computer, like he has a headset on, and he has to just say like yes or no to like three hundred questions. They just keep throwing these questions at him, like you know, do you have nightmares at night? Do you have a hard time socializing with people? Like these things that would like. So, I don't know. Um, but eventually, they he they let them go from this facility or whatever. They say, uh, oh no, they say that you they can uh, they can still live off the grid, but they have to actually live obviously in proper housing. So like like a uh, they they get like. I don't know, this 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 guy owns a uh well, he lives alone out in the country or something, so they let this guy lets them live there in his like detached, you know, oh, garage okay. or something yeah. basically. And uh, the dad in this case, like the the military dad. To be honest, it's gonna be terrible, but I can't remember the, the main character's name, but I think they don't make a big point of referencing his name often. They might say it once or twice in the film, so I don't really remember what the dad's name was, but he, uh, you know, he has to get a normal job essentially, a regular like nine to five job and right. so Eventually, the film, without describing the whole plot, the film ends with them. They can't really adjust to this life of living, like, you know, in a house with, like, you know, groceries. Did they force and... her to go to school, too? Yeah, yeah. They right. wanted to enroll her in high school and stuff like yeah. that. So, eventually, the dad, he can't really take it. So, they kind of take off. I think they just, like, uh, they ditch one night. They get on a bus and they go somewhere else. And they go back to, to a different forest this time. And uh, so, But the problem is, like, the daughter has these little 
interactions in this time that they're living in this community. Like she meets other kids her age mm. and she, you know, she doesn't really want to live in the forest. You know what I mean? She okay. kind of wants to have a normal life like a teenager would. But, but she can't tell her dad. Right. Because her dad doesn't, you know, wouldn't understand her. Right. Like they have great chemistry in the film, the dad and the daughter. Don't get me wrong. Is it mostly um, about the relationship? Yeah, they don't, they don't go a lot into the past. Like to be honest, I don't even think I don't remember if the mother is ever referenced. Mm. Like I don't know if the mother passed away or like I said, the, the film doesn't give you a lot of info. Like you don't really know. Like has she been living in the forest with her dad for years, or right. just like did he come back from the war and it's like a recent thing? It's not. It's information not spoon fed to you. There's a lot of stuff you got to read between the lines of. But I like that. Yep. But I would just say that the film again to kind of skip ahead here. The film ends really strong and like it, like the climax had me in tears oh yeah it was uh don't spoil it i'm not but i'm just gonna say if you are a parent oh it will definitely hit you at the end of this film i'm like yeah i'm not gonna spoil anything but uh, definitely i would recommend it to if anybody if anything i said sounds mildly interesting to yeah you, it's not a long film i think it's probably an hour 45 so it doesn't feel long the pacing's great so i would say yeah definitely i would recommend checking it out at least give it a chance and if it's not your thing that's cool but uh the performances are uh, are great it's not like i said it's not uh it didn't get nominated for any awards it obviously didn't win any awards because it's not that type of film nothing's flashy about it like i don't mm. the music didn't stand out to me like this cinematography was fine again nothing was it was just more about just the acting and the uh yeah is I, it a netflix original no, no, no. It was uh, it was definitely in theaters. Although I don't think okay. it was. It was probably a limited release. Mm. I don't think it was a very wide. Definitely wasn't a. I, I didn't look up the numbers on like what the budget or anything was, mm. but I'd imagine it wasn't a big splash. Like it's, it's an it's an indie essentially, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. I like I said it. it I, I would have given it a great review on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> if I had a choice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to. It's, like I said, I don't know. Like this director. She did Winter's Bone in 2010. She did this one in 2018. Oh, so so she doesn't while. seem like a very frequent director. Yeah. I don't think she has anything else in the pipe right now. Right. So, but I'd be curious if she ever did anything else. I definitely would keep her on my radar. Right. So that's my thought on that. Um, numero deux. Yes, number two on our list. And this is something that you might have some opinions on because you haven't, you didn't watch the whole series with me, but you saw some of it. I think you, you definitely know some of the, because you're obviously pretty up-to-date with media culture. And Am I? Si- well, okay, <laughs> before I sus- give yeah, you more it- suspense, we're okay. going to talk about The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I don't um, do Star Wars. <laughs> I know you don't do Star Wars, but you, okay, so you might have something to put on this. So, anyways, all I know is Baby Yoda. Exactly. That's was, <laughs> That's all I got, yes, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda yes. So, anyways, Mandalorian, obviously, for those who don't know, if you, I mean, it's if pretty... If you were under a rock like me. Yeah, it's pretty big it's in popular culture right now but it's a it's a disney plus launch in november right november yeah mid november i believe yes, like 18th november, 19th. whatever it was in november 2019 disney plus launched and the mandalorian was like their first big exclusive it was like a weekly thing too it wasn't like uh a, like yeah like they were rolling on i think they started two episodes and they rolled the rest out yeah. weekly but um it was a, up ahead. till up till pretty much the end of december like pretty much up to the time the new star wars yes, film came that's out what that's when they for. it was only an eight episode run for the Mandalorian, but they've already said there's gonna be a second oh, season. Sure. I think the second season they've already said is supposed to come out in late 2020. Oh, good. So, not too long of a wait, thankfully. Um, so before we get into the episode too much, I would just say um, I didn't really have a lot of expectations going in. Like I'm not huge on Star Wars lore. I'm sure people who have read the books and comics already know Mandalorian. What they are like? Essentially, it's a race of. When I say race, I don't mean like it. it's more like a uh, like, the like they're hum- they're humans. Oh. So it's like an alien race. They're human people. It's it's more like a. Um, 
cannot think of the word right like now. Like the witcher. A culture. Like it's a, okay. a group of people. Mandalorians. Like <laughs> yes. Okay. We're going to get into the witcher later. I know, so. but I'm just saying. He's like, he's a separate <laughs> thing, but he's still kind of human, but he can hunt demons. He's special. He's like, well, he's essentially, he's, he's, anyone who saw the trailer kind of thought he was like Boba Fett. He's a human bounty hunter. Right? Yeah. But there's something more to the Mandalorian lore that, but we'll get into that. So, um, like I said, eight episodes. Um, each episode, the episodes, the, the length of the episodes can be a little um, jarring at times because they're anywhere between 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And um, Does it change? Yeah, it's not always the same episode length. Oh, that's weird. Like, I think most of them are probably around 40 minutes. Some are a bit longer, a bit less. But some episodes just feel really short and abrupt. Okay. And then other ones feel like they kind of drag a bit. So, it, I don't know. The piece of each episode is weird. I'll we'll get into that later. But, um, like I said, in terms of the pauses, like, it's definitely... I mean, obviously, if you're any kind of a Star Wars fan, you're, you're going to... You've already probably watched it. And if you haven't already, I would recommend that you do. And people that really even are into Star Wars, I think you still have to take away from this series. Because you don't need to know Star Wars to understand... You know, they don't reference a lot of things in the previous films. Yeah, so like me, like, like I know zero Star Wars. I could watch this and enjoy it? Yeah, you definitely enjoy it. It's, okay. It could still be a standalone story, I think. Okay. You, you'll get more out of it if you're a Star Wars fan. For sure. I've been told this about also um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, that I am not a Star Wars person, but I'd still enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. It has its own like separate storyline kind of thing. So, um, that's the script I get things for like the Mandalorian for those who haven't seen it or don't really know anything about it is um them even the I think even the actor who plays the main character, uh he described his character as like a Clint Eastwood style, uh, you know, reckless, uh with a sense of but it's with a sense of moral code. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he is a he's a bounty hunter, so he's part of a guild. He takes jobs for money and and uh he's kind of a loner though, until he meets Baby Yoda, which Baby Yoda. <laughs> um so the main actor who plays the Mandalorian is Pedro Pascal. He's he's actually blown up a lot the last five or six years. He started out, I think he started out, well, his first prominent role, I think, was on Game of Thrones. And then eventually... Over my head. Yes, Keep I going. know, I know. But <laughs> people who have watched Game of Thrones will know who he is. Yes, I know. Um, and then eventually, then he got into, uh, got into movies. He was in uh, he was in the second Kingsman movie. Okay, the one I didn't watch. Yes, he was in the Equalizer two. Didn't watch. <laughs> yes, um, he's gonna be in the new Wonder Woman movie coming out later this oh, year. Oh, with the guy that died and is not dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just referencing other movies. We don't need to get into the plots. I'm of... just saying. And then, so, so when I when I heard he was cast for this one, I thought, great, I love that guy. He's actually I should give one more shout other shout out. He was in that Netflix movie that came out last year called Triple Frontier. I really like. Well, that I don't one. even know that. That's one I watched with like Ben Affleck and. Uh, the one where they're they're going in the junk. Okay, we're getting into a different movie. I'll talk about that another time. Anyways, I just, let me. Just, he's a good actor. Is my point. He's I get a good it. Actor. So when it, when they when they found out he was cast in Mandalorian, I was happy with that. And then when mm-hmm. I found out also that the character of the Mandalorian, he never takes his helmet off. Yes. So I'm thinking, okay, so you hired this pretty cool actor, in my opinion, a pretty personable actor, to basically do what is a voice role. Yes. Because you're going to see his face, and I thought, well, it's kind of a waste because. I think you you're. Got, I, I heard that sentiment also. But I'll say that even though. You don't see his face. He still gives a lot of personality off. That's um, and a lot. So it's talent to him with the voice acting and the way he can still use his physical presence exactly. in, the, in the in the armor and the suit and everything. So, but I will say, I will say spoiler in the in the last episode. And now this is funny too because I, I bet one of my coworkers, him and I were both watching mm-hmm. the show at the same time, and I bet him uh, we were both around episode four and eight or something like that. And I said to him, I guarantee you, by the end of this season, he'll take his helmet off for some reason. You'll see his face, even if it's just for a glimpse. Were you on the he will see it I or said, you won't I said, see I said, it? I said you would see his face. Okay. Because I figured an actor like that, you're not going to at least not give us. You're not going to hide him. Exactly. 
unless he's not gonna wear his helmet the rest of the time yeah but, for sure and my coworker's like no they'll save that for season two and i'm like all right so then sure enough in episode eight there's a scene where um he gets injured and the droid that he's with has to take uh says i have to remove your helmet to apply the the treatment to like treat the mm. wound or whatever right so um now this is another thing i really appreciated about this scene is you have, you have an expectation in your head when he takes that like because i knew who the actor was i figured i was gonna know what he was gonna look like i didn't think he was gonna be all disfigured or oh, like. okay so but i appreciate the fact that when they took his helmet off i mean it still looked like him you recognize him right away he wasn't like disfigured or he didn't have any it, exactly if you saw him, like a mugshot of the actor you would say that's him <laughs> but what i liked about it was he didn't come out looking like you know perfect hollywood like his you know like makeup and hair and everything like when they took he'd be a sweaty dude in his all time exactly and in this scene he had just been through like a huge shootout he'd been like beating beating the crap over the last yeah. few episodes so when they took his helmet off like his, his hair was all messy yeah. all over the place like he just again like showered he had like blood all over his face and i'm like okay so that's you know he looks like someone who's been through hell yeah right i appreciated that um but uh to get into sort of the crux of the show i kind of wrote down a little brief summary here i said basically so it's eight episodes i said episodes one through three i thought were great that's setting up the lore and the the, the world they were they were building up here um episodes four to six what most series do have that stumble in the middle so four to six i thought were really either were either boring or just flat out bad oh wow i think most people it was episode i want to say it's episode five it's one episode where he's he meets this other bounty hunter like this other kid bounty hunter like nice kid i mean something like their 20s like a young like uh irresponsible bounty hunter got his first job that was a terrible episode i think oh, no. most of the sentiment on that episode was, it was just poorly directed poorly written but i would say episode 780 does finish strong so it starts off great man in the middle and then finishes strong so okay. i have hopes for season two there's definitely a lot of ways they can so i mean star wars lore is so big they can go anywhere yeah with this. exactly um uh pros and cons i would say um uh the, the uh, i still have the theme music stuck in my head the theme music is oh. awesome it's like it's like a throwback kind of thing it feels like a western oh it's got that western twang to it but it also has like a more up a modern take it's hard to explain but at the end of every episode in the end credits they always play the same theme song right so it's 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 i really love the theme song it sticks in my head still um like i said the acting was already good like i said even even not even just in the main actor the acting in general across series was pretty good um they had some prominent actors in there um even just doing voice roles and stuff um but i would say the uh for so obviously it's disney you know so they have a big you would think they have a big budget for this show you would think but they didn't a lot of the cgi seemed really bad oh no like not obviously bad by like disney standards well especially star wars like their money maker. yeah I, I, feel, I kind of feel like i don't know how long the series was in development for anything but mm. i feel like some stuff was really rushed okay uh, so the cgi could have been better i wonder if that'll improve season two or not i have no idea when but, was it announced i want to say it was only announced like a year ago like before disney okay. plus came out it's like because they, like they, two, they definitely didn't have a timeline because they wanted to hype up the new I movie they, i think they honestly probably filmed it last year like maybe like six seven months before disney plus came out i feel like okay. it was pretty quick yeah but, um the uh yeah so cgi could have been better in some spots but you know whatever um so like going back to your point of reference i like, guess baby yoda was like definitely this this the takeaway from this show this the scene stealer in so many cases yeah no definitely See, like that's the, the merchandise I, and everything that's what the one thing i do appreciate is that with the baby yoda they went full it's all puppet it's all cgi oh really it's yeah. a puppet so you can tell that it's like you know they could they could cheap down got cgi on them like they, they've done cgi but yeah yoda. but now that you said cgi is bad i'm like i'm glad no yeah the puppet like the the animations and stuff on them are great like whatever they it was hmm. really gave him a lot of personality i thought and he, he does he does really, just so cute he builds a really good rapport with mandalorian over the series 
thing. Because initially, like, because Mandalorian meets him at the end of episode one. Oh, he's that soon? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, so it's like, oh, so what, he's going to, like, transport this baby Yoda around with him the rest of the series? And you think, like, you know, so he, but he kind of becomes, like, the surrogate father figure to the baby Yoda. <laughs> it's cute. It's really cute. Um, Where does but, this take place in the overall timeline? Oh, gosh. I Don't quote me on this. I'm probably wrong. I, I should have wrote it down. But I believe it is after... So I think it's after Rogue One, but before Episode Four. Okay. Okay. So it's old. So, if, so if you, again, if you're thinking chronologically in Star Wars lore, if you're going Episodes One, Two, and Three. Yes. Right? And then Rogue, and then it went Rogue One. Okay. And then Rogue One Four, Five, Six. Okay. And then obviously Seven, Eight, Nine, the new yeah. ones. Okay. So I think this is between Rogue One and Four. Okay. So I, I think so. I could be wrong, but <laughs> nope, it's fact now. Exactly. Yeah, I've established it. Um, <laughs> Star Wars fans are gonna hate. Yeah, me. exactly. Uh, and another point I want to mention here, I did read this online. I thought this was interesting, or you would find this interesting at least, <laughs> is that um, for the uh, to create because the, obviously there's a lot of. I'm sure they filmed some scenes on sets, like Hollywood sets, yeah. Especially the interior stuff in this in this series, but uh, a lot of the digital backgrounds, and a lot of time there is obviously like you know digital desert or digital sky or something in the back. For the digital backgrounds, they actually use Unreal Engine Four, really, to create them. <laughs> and it says the reason for that is it. Uh, I took this off the Wikipedia article again. It says it makes the rendering of the visual effects faster than would normally be possible for a live action series. And rather than using sketches on a whiteboard to map out scenes, the storyboarding was done in the game engine. Oh, interesting so that concept. Is interesting. I yeah. wonder if people will pick up I on that. I feel like one. that would be, because it's also an interesting thing, too, is that, so again, eight episodes in this series. Um, it's not always the same director, though. I think the... They switch directors? They do switch it up. Okay, cool. I think the first two episodes were done by the same director, and then, like, three, four, five, six, seven were all different ones, and then the same one who did one and two comes back to do eight. Usually Interesting. That's, usually that's how series do it. The guy who does the first episode usually well, does the like, last one it's to like book Star Wars in. 7 and Star Wars 9. Yeah. <laughs> so in this case, the one who did three out of eight episodes was John Favreau, and he's the one who directed Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, okay. and... Uh, oh, gosh, I'm missing another thing that he did. But anyway, he's a... You know, so he's, he's got that background with Marvel. Yes. And so obviously now that, you know, um, Disney owns Star Wars yes. and Marvel, it's all bundled together. So they obviously got this director on board to do most of the... Well, like, who wouldn't I, say I, no to I, it? I think he wrote most of the episodes, too. So oh, he, really? he had a big influence on this series. He must be a super fan. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyways, like I said, I Mandalorian, I think it was... I was very happy with the series. I'm definitely looking forward to season two. Um, definitely some things they can improve on, but... Uh, I'd say I think people uh, were overall happy with it. I think so. I think, more than uh, the movie. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what expectations were like going in, but I think uh, I think people were pleasantly surprised. So. That's good. Yeah. Now the next one that we're going to discuss is uh, now you should have a lot more input on this one because this is something we actually did watch together. Ooh. The, the Witcher series. On okay. Netflix. Yes. yes. I did watch all of this one. Yes. So um, so I'll say going into this series, I think. You probably had a bit more of an understanding on the Witcher lore than I did. Like sure. I, I played, really. I, like I played a little bit of the games, but not a lot. I would I, like to I, play more. We haven't read the books either of us. I started reading it once oh, the series you? started. Like I got the previews on Kindle, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is exactly like the book." Now I think, and again, I should wrote this down, but I think I read on Wikipedia that this first season of The Witcher on Netflix here, I think it's taken from some short stories. Yeah, it's like a bundle of like I think right. it's like The Last Wish. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think so. So it's so really so it doesn't have much to do Which with is first chronologically in I believe the book series. Right. So this doesn't have much to do with the game lore at all. This ha- the game apparently is totally separate. Yeah. Like it is it is its own lore. 
Right. So it doesn't have anything to do with. So the, the only thing we, the only thing that we really knew going in was like some of the character names. Yes, exactly. Who doesn't know Yennefer and Syrian the Witcher? So, so make sure, just make sure I don't pronounce this wrong. I'm gonna say it twenty times. Is it is it Geralt? Or Geralt? What do you? How do you say it? I say Geralt. I don't think I it matters. Did they say it in the show? I'm trying to remember. Was it this, I don't. <laughs> what did the bard call it? They call him the Witcher. Geralt. <laughs> That's true. They call him Witcher a lot. So like, okay, whatever we. Toss want a coin to Geralt. No. <laughs> So, so once again, kind of like the Mandalorian, this was an eight-episode series. Mm-hmm. Although these ones are long, I think they're all about an hour each. I th- and the last was an hour and a half, I think. Was it that long? I think. Okay, but don't quote me. At least an hour, let's say. Yeah. So, um, and again, this came out on Netflix in December. Okay, before Christmas, right? I yes, think. I think yeah. it was like the week before. Yeah. So we didn't really start watching it till till January. We didn't we didn't watch it. Well, we watched all the giant bomb stuff, and then we started the right. Yeah, we were kind of busy in December, <laughs> so we didn't really start the week till January. Yeah. But I think once we started watching, we probably finished it within what a week or week and a half. We didn't take too long to get through. The no, episodes. like we were doing it like once every couple nights. And yeah. The last episode, or last we did seven and eight in one night. So we're like, okay, we just got to finish this. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> so get it's getting it. good. Now again, I would agree. Now you tell me what you think about this. Uh, I would I would agree that probably that it uh, for eight, eight episodes. It starts out pretty strong, middle kind of meanders a bit, and finishes strong again. That's I my don't opinion. know. No, that's not my opinion. You're like, okay, no. well, it's the opposite. Three. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought, it started out like I, I was lost. Like I didn't for, know what oh, so was going when, on. So when did it click for you? What episode did it uh, click? Once I um, realized the twist, like the that it's all time. The, like there's time skips right that's when i was like oh my goodness i'm getting this now like that's when it all clicked together and mm-hmm. i started getting it okay. um i thought the ending was weak honestly i thought it was really? better in the middle once really? like i felt so lost in the beginning i enjoyed the little storylines the vignettes yeah. but then once it, it clicked for me and I, the characters were like coming together it's like oh yeah okay we're gonna get this like awesome thing we're syrian which we finally meet and then at the ending it's just like oh yennefer's on her own but i want her to be with the witcher <laughs> Kind of thing, but I don't know. Like I, I'm 100 percent excited for season two, but I, I think the middle was the strongest in my opinion. Interesting. Okay. Well, I wrote down a few basic like kind of cliff notes here. So I guess before I get into the episode, um, one thing we can probably point out, or that, that's easily become the the standard sort of sort of meme for this series so far, is that song. Yes, for sure. That song is very catchy. Yes, it is. Um, it is a meme. It is a meme. It's a good song. I don't yes. really like it. I, I like that. I like now that the series has its own identity. Because to be honest, when I first heard, when, before we'd even watched the series, I'd already seen that meme being tossed around. Mm. And to be honest, I thought that was something from the games. I thought it was like, oh. A, so I I thought, but this is something that the series is originally original that they've, they've adapted. Well, I right? like how they, they didn't continue it either. Like it was just one of the songs from that episode. Every episode kind of had the bard doing his own thing. Yeah, they didn't like hammer into your head. No, this, it was only yeah. in one episode. Right. But it was it was pretty good. Uh, so that's obviously sort of the takeaway from anybody who's even watched the first few episodes will probably remember that song. Yeah, for sure. But um, <laughs> getting into what I really liked about the series, because um, again, going in, I had sort of mixed expectations because, again, not that I had a lot of expectations about the lore, but I just thought that, I don't know, I, I just, me being a little cynical in this case, I thought that they're going to scrub this material somehow. They're going to mm. make it really, they're going to water it down. Or they're going to make it really, like, like CW style, like oh. for teenagers. I was actually surprised. Really well, like, yeah, the how dark. material is. It was really dark. It was yeah. really grim in some cases. Um, I thought the acting was great. Yes. Uh, especially Henry Cavill, Geralt. That was great. Jennifer um, was amazing. Jennifer is amazing. I think Siri will get good. I don't think yes. she had enough to do yet. Right, I agree. But I would say, honestly, there wasn't many, even some of the side characters and stuff, I really liked. Like, the bard wasn't annoying. I was no, worried he might I be was, annoying, yes. but he wasn't. No. Um, yeah, no, I, I uh, and I, as you know, going in, like I told you, like when I initially saw the casting for Yennefer for this, and I was like, she's eh. a nobody, wasn't she? 
Yeah, it's not the fact that she was a nobody. I just didn't really think she'd embody the look of Yennefer. Okay. Because again, in my mind, just be again, in my, I thought that book my image is so. my image of Yennefer is based on the video games. I don't right. really know how to subscribe in the books or anything, but in the video game, when I saw the video game Yennefer, and in my mind, of course, I was thinking, oh man, Ava Green. Yes, of course, you're, you're waifu. Yeah, well, <laughs> she w- I think she would have been good in the role. Yeah, definitely. she would have. Yeah, I think she's embodied. well. She doesn't shy away from the nudity roles either. So, <laughs> well, that's not that wasn't a requirement for this role. I'm saying, well, it kind of was. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised maybe how often they did go to the nudity in this role. It kind of, it was like more yeah. in the middle, and at the end, like the last episode, that nothing. It was like, okay, I don't know Yeah. why it got so weird there, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I did think that they did a good job of, um, I was worried it was going to be a little bit rushed, but I think they did a good job building the chemistry between Geralt and Yennefer. Yeah, um, that's why the ending was they don't, they, don't, they don't probably meet till at least midway through the series. And right. The last couple of episodes, they're... They have some interactions together and they're frenemies. Yeah. Now I did write something down here. I want to get to since we're already kind of going towards that. Uh, I got this again off of, uh, off Wikipedia. This Your is best the, friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not using these as sources. I'm just saying, but this is from the, the guy, the screenwriter of the series. Um, Cause he was, he was commenting to people on who were confused about the timeline. Because they don't, the, at the beginning of the series, they do skip around a lot. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, when it got to, like, the third or fourth episode, when it yeah. was like, oh, my goodness, that's when every, the, the first three episodes made it worth it. Mm-hmm. While, like, just trying to understand it. So, anyways, he so the first season is obviously told in a non-linear manner. Yes. Uh, spanning different time periods. Uh, Yennefer's story covers around 70 years. Yes. They like, do. They, they that's do my mention... favorite part of this, of this whole thing, yeah. that they never, like, have anything on the screen that's like, this happened 10 years mm-hmm. ago. This happened six years ago. Like, it's just a one th- throwaway line, like, oh, I saw you 10 years ago here. So, you know, the Yennefer has been around, like, And it obviously, time. it also shows you that mages don't age. Yes, she's been that's around true. that long, she still looks the same. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's like sort of a trade-off. For I don't know which does either, does he? Yeah, it must have something to do with his mutant. Yeah. You know, ability. So, and so, yeah, like I said, the end of her story covers about 70 years, yeah. whereas series story we only see over two weeks. Right, yes. Hers is the shortest. Yeah. Now he says the the screenwriter again. He says the end of her... Two weeks. Okay. Yeah, okay, I understand. There's a one part where it does go in the past for her. Yes. Yeah. But yes, her main storyline is two weeks. So he said Yennefer and Cirilla were... Uh, the reason he wrote so much of the plot... I think it was one of the complaints I saw was that maybe there wasn't enough Geralt in the series. I, well, it, Yennefer kind of stole the spotlight. Yeah, but the screener says he focused more on Yennefer and Cirilla. He wanted to give them more prominence so that the viewers understand them better. Mm. And I guess he figured, like, anybody who came to the series already kind of know a bit about Geralt. He didn't really want to get into his backstory right away. He wanted to explain the set of the side characters first. And then probably, I'm sure in season two, Gear will get more yeah. for Forefront. But so he said, um, and actually, yeah, he said here, the story for the second season will build on the foundation of the first season and the characters will interact with each other more frequently. Good. Yeah. Because that was my favorite part. And here's another interesting thing. I, I When I was reading the Wikipedia article, I thought this was sort of a weird comparison, but uh, the screener was saying that uh, one of the films he used as inspiration for this nonlinear form of storytelling that he went for mm-hmm. was uh, the film Dunkirk. Oh. It's like Christopher Nolan yes, film. Yes, it is. No. With the big bang booms. Yes. It's the war movie, yes. <laughs> yeah. I only point that out now because there's another movie I'm going to talk about later where someone else also references a Christopher Nolan film. Okay. And I'm like, it just was to show the info. Like, Chris, for context yes, here, we know. Christopher Nolan is my favorite director. Yes. I think the guy, can do, the guy can do no wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> Super excited for his next film yes. this year, but we're not going to get into that. So back to Witcher for a second. Um, um, I would say... Well, I know you've already established that we didn't really agree on the... I, I think the, it's serious. Strong so it's off really strong. Middle's okay. Finishes strong. In my opinion, I think the best 
one of the best moments in the episode, or definitely one of the best action scenes, would be in the third episode when he fights that Striga. Yes, that was cool. That was a cool scene. There are not very many action scenes in the first season, which is which I'm fine. They were front loaded. Well, the first episode had a really good one too. When he fights all the dudes in town, that was a one shot take, which is I love that stuff. Not really front loaded. There was every episode had a little bit, I think, except for no episode episode a little bit. Well, the second episode have I don't remember too much in the second one. The second one was mostly about Yennefer's backstory, right? Maybe not a lot in that one. Okay, fine. Third one though, for sure, definitely. I think had to stand out. And yeah. then the, the last episode also has a really big battle scene, which is cool. But uh, all the mages and Yes, mage battle. Um, but yeah, so not that I'd say that I hated the middle episodes. It's no. just there's a couple times where I was just like, okay, you know, let's move on to something more interesting here. But I get this thing with the backstory and everything. Because um, you, you got the twist after me. Like, I I understood it. And then I heard you, like, at the end of the episode, you're like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, dude, where have you been? <laughs> I will say one other thing, too, about this episode is, um, not this episode, sorry, for the series. Um... <clears throat> like I said, it definitely obviously doesn't have a rating. It's on Netflix. It would it would be, it would have like an R rating if it was a for sure any kind of a theater. It has thing. the f bombs. It has the nudity. Yeah, the nudity, the gore, the f bombs, stuff yeah. like that. I will say the oh, yeah the gore. There's some violent parts. Yeah, the, no, I forgot though. But yeah, <laughs> the uh, the f bombs are few and far between. But I think they are delivered usually <laughs> so well. I know. Like, it's, like, it's definitely not like, like a tar- <laughs> It's not like a Tarantino film where there's f bombs every two seconds. Yeah, it's like no. it's maybe a few of the episode. But every time Gerald lets one out, you're just, you, you laugh. You laugh. Yes, the delivery is so great <laughs> on it. Um, so, um, uh, season two apparently is scheduled for 2020. They're no already, th- they said they're filming it this year. It'll come out in 2021. So, okay. which, you know, again, I'm not expecting Fair. a quick turnaround. I didn't expect to have it this year. Ne- I'd be happy with it next year. Yep. I imagine they'll probably do the same number of episodes, yeah. same type of, but uh, I'm very, I'm definitely, I mean, like I said, again, the lore in this universe is so big. Yeah. They can go anywhere with it. So I'm definitely looking forward to whatever they... I hope to read, like, the next book in the series before it comes out, which mm-hmm. is, like, I don't think it's very long, so I should get my butt in gear, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, definitely a, definitely a great series. I, I, guess I think this one... To be honest, in some ways, I think this one would be easier to recommend to people than The Mandalorian. Really? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, I've heard opinions, like, people fall off after the two episodes because they don't understand what the heck is going on. You don't need to have a lot of understanding, I don't think, going into it. Like, well, okay, fine. You the don't. First, I would say at least watch the first three episodes. If the third, if the third one doesn't grab you, yeah. then sure, abandon the series. Yeah. But if you, yeah. I think stick if you watch out. three, you'll you'll stick it out, and you'll be rewarded for it. Um, you have any other thoughts on it? No, um, I just really enjoyed it overall. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, the next uh, film I'm going to move on to. Unfortunately, you're not going to have much of an input on this one because I saw this one by myself. But I know I've talked to you about it before, so you'll. Uh-huh. To reference it is uh this is actually the first film that i saw in theaters in 2020 and it was 1917 oh wow that was uh, okay yeah. so it's uh you know <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know it's set in the year 1917 <laughs> oh boy it's a world war one movie uh directed by sam mendez who's i think he's a really good director although he's had some missteps along his career like more recently he did the last two bond films he did skyfall and specter skyfall's good Skyfall is really not. good. No, Spectre's not. And I don't know how much of that was him. Okay. Spectre had a lot of problems. I don't think it was all his fault, but as a director, you got to assume a lot of responsibility too. So. Well, yes, exactly. But for this one, he definitely knocked it out of the park. This thing is was an experience in theaters. I really wish I could have seen it in IMAX. Unfortunately, it's not playing in an IMAX anywhere around us. I probably have to go all the way to like uh, past Toronto, uh. like, you know, so, like hours away from where we are to see it, which. Like the theater experience I had was so great. Don't get me wrong, but, but man, I would love to see an IMAX, yeah, because this thing was a visual feast. <laughs> Not even just the visual, the audio, everything. What kind of like Dunkirk was, wasn't it? Uh, 
Yeah. In different ways. Um, Dunkirk was definitely... Like, when I think about Dunkirk, I always think about sort of the action scenes in that movie. It mm. wasn't so much the plot and characters that grabbed me. Um, and this one, definitely, it was, I'd say it's the opposite. The action was good, but it was very minimal. There wasn't right. a lot of action in this film. It was more the characters and the, the story the that they were building up toward. The mission, yes. So, um... Yeah, so was the, this adapted, or was this original? So, uh, original. Screenplay, okay. yeah. But the director... So the director in this case, that he got this story from his grandfather who was in the war. Oh, interesting. So the, the, to, for context, the film isn't based on his grandfather. Yeah. Right? His grandfather was in this unit and he knew the story about these two soldiers who... Now here's the thing, again, again the spoilers for anybody who's... Anybody who saw the trailer, and like I saw the trailer too, my expectations were definitely dashed at least 20 minutes into this film because the whole idea I thought with this film is that there was two soldiers who were given a mission mm-hmm. to basically by foot travel across to a different to a different unit that was playing an attack on the germans like these are british soldiers are following there to to basically bring uh bring news bring orders to a unit of british soldiers but i think it was about 1600 soldiers were planning to attack a german front line but the germans had set up sort of a, an ambush a trap for them so they're all gonna get slaughtered in this right. in this uh this skirmish so these two soldiers Sorry, two soldiers are given like, um, I can't remember the time frame. I want to say it was less than 48 hours, maybe like 36 hours to basically get to this colonel to give him the news to halt the or- halt the attack on the Germans. So, um, so like I said, 20 minutes into this adventure, um, <laughs> the two British soldiers come across uh, a German soldier. His plane crashes in front of them and he's like burning in this plane. So the British soldiers, they yank him out of the plane rather than let him burn to death. Yeah. Um, but actually, the one soldier, the one British soldier, suggests, "Hey, we should, we should just kill this guy now and get it over with, right? Like he's a German." And the other guy's like, "No, no, let's have some compassion. Let's, you know, go get him some water from that well over there. We, you know, he's, give him some water." As the other soldier is going to retrieve the water, he hears a struggle behind him, and he realizes that his friend gets stabbed by the German soldier, oh. and then he shoots the German guy anyway. Yep. Like, so, 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 so his friend dies from this stab wound. So right off the bat, you're like, your expectation is like, "Oh, I thought this was like a two-man mission. Now it's a solo mission because his mm. friend dies." Um. So that really interested me. That threw me for a loop. So I'm thinking, okay, we got like an hour and a half left in this movie. This is a solo <laughs> mission. And again, if you don't know the context of this movie, the really a big draw or the appeal going into this movie, even if you don't like World War One movies, um, if you're interested at all in like filmmaking structure. Oh, right. So this was essentially hailed as a. It, it's so the movie is about two hours, maybe just under two hours, and it's supposedly all done in one shot. Now they've confirmed that that's not the case, and definitely you can definitely tell there's some camera trickery and editing going on where they hide cuts because obviously there's some scenes where the camera goes into a black space mm. and it comes out five seconds later so you know there's a cut there or when it goes behind like a brick wall or something right. there's ways to edit it but i would say for like 90 percent of this film it's all done over one sequence like the camera is just following the character like like a third person video game right right like behind him or beside him or right. so so it really keeps them keeps you invested in the because again a lot of movies, obviously, with the camera work, they can set up what's going to happen next. You're expecting something to come out of frame or something like to right. focus on something. When the camera's just focused on a character, there's a lot of suspense because you don't know what's going to happen next. Right. And in this film, too, there's... It's like a horror game. Yeah. So the, the music <laughs> in this film was amazing. And, of course, I wasn't surprised when I saw the end credits and I saw it was Thomas Newman, who I think is one of the best composers out there. Definitely <gasps> underrated. Hans? Like, everybody knows who Hans is, but... <laughs> I, like I think, I think Hans Zimmer would have honestly detracted from this film. Oh boy! Like, Hans Zimmer is definitely more of a Dunkirk type soundtrack. Uh, yeah, which he did. Whereas this one was a little, way more way under. This one was definitely more understated. Didn't oh, need, didn't okay. need a over the top soundtrack right. for this film. So, so it was fitting. Yeah, definitely very fitting, especially the end. I still like every day at work. I'll, I'll 
on YouTube, I'll put in the the la- the, the the track that plays over the last five minutes of the film. Right. That sets up the climax. It's an amazing piece of music. Um, so uh, where was I? Anyways, this um, so this film. I'll give a shout out to since we're talking about the camera work and everything. I'll give a shout out to the cinematographer Roger Deakins, who everybody knows is like a god in Hollywood. Like this okay. guy is one of one of if not the best cinematographer in Hollywood, and he rightfully won his first Oscar. Was it last year or two? No, two years. Whenever Blade Runner twenty forty nine came two out, years ago, I think. two years ago, Maybe yeah, three. Uh, I think it was twenty seventeen. I think it was twenty seventeen. That's so, three years ago. Well, fine, three years. Yes, okay. <laughs> I keep forgetting we haven't had the new Oscar yet. Yeah. So let's say two Oscars ago is when he would have won for Blade Runner, but. He'd been nominated something like 14 times without winning. Oh, which is boy. Like but the problem is every time he got, I looked it up, every time he got nominated previously, he was always going up against a really good, another good cinematographer. So it's like, I, he didn't really feel like he got screwed every other year. But like a lot of times he got, he got nominated and win would be for like, um, like uh, the assassination of Jesse James, like No Country for Old Men. Mm. Um, oh, what's the other one he did that was really, really good. He's just done so many of them. Every time you got snubbed, you're thinking like, "Oh man!" You gotta give to him eventually. Exactly at some point. right. Like you know, the, the Oscars they, they do that. They give you those pity Oscars yes. when you've been. Leo DiCaprio got the pity offer. Well, I mean, Ryan and the Leo thing right now. <laughs> he earned it. He still earned that Oscar for The Revenant. Like, there's no mm-hmm. reason he shouldn't have won. But mm-hmm. anyways, back to 1917. So the cinematography. There were scenes in this film that I could not believe the way they were shot. Like the way the guy stages, like everybody who's seen this film, or even if you haven't seen it, you've probably, you've probably heard of this shot. There's a shot where the main character is in this like bombed out French village at night. It's and and these flares are going up because the the German soldiers are. I I, I, can't, I can't remember why the flare. They don't establish why the flare is going off. I don't know if it's the Germans are trying to highlight something about the British. I don't think the British are the ones shooting the flares. That wouldn't make sense, but. These play, for every reason, the reason there's, the flares. Is that there's flares going off, <laughs> and the visuals it creates oh my god, it's like something out of a dream. Like, the, mm. oh, I could not believe And the music, the music builds up, and everything that's a scene that stays with you for sure. But, um, yeah, so this film isn't, uh, it has a lot of actually prominent British actors in it. Um, this is one thing I do appreciate. They actually put British actors in the film, they didn't hire American actors to do British accents. It's all good, yeah, we should be done, like the. Probably, if you're going to tell me like, who the biggest name British actors in the film were, there's, and they're all, they all essentially have cameos because they're only, they're only on screen for two or three minutes at a time. But at the beginning of the film, you have Colin Firth. Okay. Who's like the King's Speech, yeah. Kingsman. You I know, know that know one. I'm talking about, yes. Which, which one? King's Speech or Kingsman? You should know both. Him for both. I yeah. said both. Yeah. I said that. I know that one. I oh. said that person. I thought you were really No, I know both of those. <laughs> so he's, he's, he has a cameo at the beginning. Um, Oh, actually, the feel like this. The guy that, uh, because your, your sister likes that BBC Sherlock show. Loves it. Not likes it, so, loves it. Yeah, I know. She loves it. So the, <laughs> the guy who plays Moriarty. Okay. He does a lot of other things, too. I'm just trying to give reference for what you might know him from. Uh, he uh, he does a role in the beginning of this movie, too. Small cameo, but he kills it in his cameo role. He's so good. And then at the end of the film, the the colonel that the main character is looking for, who eventually gives these orders to, ends up being Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, the actual, the actual Sherlock. Sherlock. <laughs> yes, exactly. So now Morgan will go see it. <laughs> uh, there were some other other British actors in there too. I won't mention them all by name, but really good cast. But the really the main actor has to carry this movie on his back, and he does. And he was sort of an unknown to me. I looked up his filmography after, and he's got some more things down the line that I'm interested in seeing. And in the past, he no, he's a newer actor. He's in his twenties, but he killed this movie without having a lot of dialogue. Because again. Once his friend dies, mm. and he's alone the rest of the movie. Who's he to talk to? Exactly. He's not, like, talking to himself. Yeah. He's not, so, really, he carries it without any dialogue. Right. Um, 
and like I said, there, there's not a lot of action in this movie. Definitely don't go in thinking this is going to be like a Saving Private Ryan type film. Oh, okay. There's not a lot of action, but the, the action that is there is very, very well done in quick bursts. Deliberate, I would think. Yeah. Like, because the, like I said, the film does a lot, builds a lot of suspense because there's not music all the time. There's a lot of quiet moments. And when he's like on his own, like at one point he's like climbing this, um, climbing across this broken bridge to get to this next village. And there's like a sniper in a tower taking shots at him. And the first time the sniper shoots, you're like, jumping out of your seat because mm. the shots are so loud you're not expecting you're not used to hearing a lot of gunfire it's not that type of film so um the uh i wrote down all my notes here so i already discussed many of them amazing cinematography moving score the score is amazing mm-hmm. in my opinion perfect ending and when i say perfect ending, i don't just mean the way the you're climax, particular about your ending i am very particular I, I so many times it bugs me when i think okay like here's the last shot and it's gonna cut the black and then we're done and, then still and it keeps going yeah. and I'm like no you should have ended it like five minutes ago yeah. so many movies do that it drives me nuts so this one though it was just like music crescendo emotional moment cut the black right away like perfect movie's over that's exactly what I was mm-hmm. what I wanted so um yeah is this day one by oh this is day one 4k by wow. and I will blast Big these bucks. speakers <laughs> yes it is it's not those good speakers yeah our speakers aren't great but I'm just saying I, I will blast what we have so um it it um it has ten Oscar nominations, which I think are all awarded. Not as many as Joker. <sighs> we're not we're not discussing Joker today. That'll be another day. But yes, the Joker thing. But no, it, this movie definitely deserves all the acclaim uh, and awards it's getting and the praise. It's, it's it's I'm happy that it's my first theater film of the year. I think it definitely sets the tone. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend this too. I think you and I know other people that have seen it. Yes, and they all loved it. They've everybody's loved it. Yep. I don't think anybody would disagree. Like, unless, I wouldn't unless, think like I said, unless you're going in expecting like some huge war yes. film with a bunch of killing. You did it wrong, then. Exactly. That's not what you're going to get. Okay. Uh, so that's we're halfway. That's four out of eight. You we have four good. more to discuss. <laughs> okay. Now the next two actually we've seen together, so okay. we'll, we'll have a lot of joint discussion. What do you one. got for me? I apologize for the listeners who want to hear my wife speak more. You don't. See. It's okay. It's mostly me talking so far, but I'm learning. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, the next film. Now we're gonna use the English pronunciation here because I don't actually know what the, I can't remember the Japanese title is for. It. I didn't write it down, but in this know. case, we're talking about a uh, Japanese anime film called, called uh, Your Name, directed by Makoto Shinkai. Yeah, I believe sure. I'm sure. yeah, I'm really bad with names. Yeah, so it's, very, the very English bad. translation for it would be called Your Name. Yeah. Title obviously doesn't give anything away, so if you, didn't, you don't uh, expect. No. Yeah, okay. Well, you really don't expect going no, in. You know, so, um, uh, well, how to describe this? Um, I guess the basic. If I was going to give a very brief plot synopsis of it, it's a film about uh, a couple of teen. Are they teenagers? I think high school. Yes, they are. They have scenes in school. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about. <laughs> mind, I'm thinking about a later scene in the film. Okay, so yeah, so it's, it's established they're like high school kids. There's a there's a boy and a girl. Um, I can't remember the names It'll, right now. I apologize. I don't no, remember the names, but it, um, Taki. Taki was the boy. Was it Taki? She keeps yelling it. I believe you're probably right. Yeah, I think so. I remember so apparently, this director. This is the first one we've seen this director. But he done many films before this. He has a history of making these films about like star-crossed lovers. Okay. And I'm taking that line directly from Chris Stuckman, because <laughs> he's the one that actually I learned about this film from. For those of you who don't know, Chris Stuckman, he's a great uh, YouTube uh, movie reviewer. Um, and he, so the reason I came across this film, actually, why this ended up on my radar, this movie, is there's a movie that came out recently in theaters here in Canada called uh, Weathering With You. 
That's another anime film directed by this this same director here, Your Name. And um, because I'd seen all the great reviews that was getting, and it was actually playing around here in our area in Canada, but we didn't go to see it in theaters because it was only uh, it was only uh, English subtitles, not English dub, which my wife prefers to watch the English dub version. Yes, of. I am a filthy casual. Yes, <laughs> not big on the subtitles, but there's a reason for that. Um, so. Anyways, heard about Weathering With You, and then when I was watching Chris Stuckman's review on that on YouTube, um, he mentioned that this other film called Your Name, which he had seen before, like, he was he was comparing them all. It's what you always do, naturally. You compare the director's current film with his last film. And apparently Your Name was this, like, masterpiece. Like, everyone loves this film. Mm-hmm. Weathering With You is still a great film, but has maybe a lot of the same story beats as your story, so it didn't feel as original. Mm-hmm. But apparently Your Name was amazing. So I, I'm like, okay. So I looked this thing out, this, you know, Your Name film. It, it, luckily, it ended up being for rental at a local video store of ours. So I rented it on... Uh, it was only on DVD. Yeah, we had DVD. It was only on DVD, unfortunately, yeah. no Blu-ray. But I mean, it's anime, I was happy so it's, it was there. Yeah, exactly. Happy we got a chance to watch it. We have to stream it somewhere online yeah. or anything. So we rented it, watched it. Um, so again, I guess my expectations going in were pretty high because of all the praise it mm, got. But at the same time, nothing. At the same time, I'm not a big anime guy. You so, um, but I will say that this, even though not having a huge, not a lot to compare it to for me anime-wise, I would say this movie definitely impressed me and. I would definitely look for. I still want to see the weathering with mm-hmm. you. That other film now, because the, the English dub has good actors too for weathering with you, doesn't it? Yeah, the weathering with you has a bit more like prominent Hollywood actors. Yeah. This one didn't. This, one, but again, the acting in this one, the English acting at least, I would say, was was still great. I yeah, for sure. The the story was captivating. Um, the visuals were amazing. I thought. Uh, I mean, most anime is obviously, but this one I think was, it still really impressed me. The visuals, soundtrack, really everything about it was. For your yeah. name, said we're talking about your name was was really impressive to me. Um, now the uh, the few, I mean, like I said, apparently uh, this film was so highly regarded in Japan. Like, and again, you got to figure they watch a ton of anime over there, so, yeah. so for something to really stand out to them over there, it must have some kind of impact. Or it's, it's doing something right, eh? So this is the as of this article, I think was was as of twenty twenty. It is still the highest grossing anime film and Japanese film of all time. What? $359 million, which is apparently a lot for an anime. Well, yeah. Like, wow. That, yeah. That just kind of... Like, more than, like, any Ghibli film and everything? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. So, it's... It, like I said, it... Uh, That's an impact. Definitely had a big audience over there. And, mm-hmm. and even... In, like I said, even... Obviously even and it in, reached you, which is Even big. in the West, yeah. So... Yeah, like I said, it, it obviously has an influence over here. So... Um... What were your takeaways from the film? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, there were some weird cinematography. Th- oh my gosh, English is hard. Cinematography things that um, were different from normal anime. Like mm. some of like the turns of the camera and like that made it look three D. And it's like, oh, that's weird. Um, but not like jar jarring or anything. Um, but definitely like I I thought it was pretty generic in the beginning. Like oh, body swapping. It's like okay, I've seen that before. But. In anime? Have you seen that before? Oh, I don't... I mean, but yeah, I've always been a thing if you think about like Freaky Friday or any other type of Western media, but in anime, I don't think that was a big, a popular concept for them, body swapping. Like, even Chris said in his review that it was an original thing that he'd seen in anime. I have to think. Maybe you're thinking of video games as reference? Is I don't that, know. But, I don't know, okay. Well, I, thought the body, I don't know. I felt like, oh, it's going to be like time travel and whatever, and... and... Yeah. I was worried that it was going to be the, all of that, but it's not. Like, that storyline kind of ends halfway through, and you go to, like, a different thing. 
but them like swapping bodies like so as it as it would turn out is like one of them would wake up and be in the other person's body and then so sort of throughout that day they're they're inhabiting living their lives they're living those that person's life with their friends and school and their family and stuff so and they leave each other notes so they know what's going on yeah exactly um because i think that at one point like the one the one girl who's inhabiting who's inhabiting taki's body yes uh you know she's trying to get him to basically go out with his co-worker yeah. female co-worker or whatever and he doesn't really want to because he's a shy kid or whatever so I thought the body swapping thing did a really good job of um, building chemistry between these two leads, even though they never met each other. Well, yeah, because... they were like, what are you doing with my life? And it was yeah. kind of just, I don't know, and then when they awkward. And then towards the second half of the film, when they do want to find They're each chasing other, each other, yeah, really. Yeah, right. But then there's this whole, like, uh, event that is being built up in the film, like this this uh, celestial event yeah. that's going to harm one of the characters. And then... Um, that's where it gets, the story gets really interesting, I yep. think, with the way it kind exactly. of jumps timelines and stuff. So, and so I, I remember earlier when we were talking about um, uh, we were talking about nineteen uh, ah, the Witcher. We were talking about the Witcher, <laughs> and I mentioned that the one guy said Dunkirk was his inspiration as for the nonlinear storytelling. Well, this is interesting. In this case, the director, the Japanese director Makoto Shinkai, he said for this movie, at least for the plot and the time travel stuff, he said an influence for him was Interstellar. Oh, that other Christopher Nolan film, yeah, with space travels, yeah, with like the wormholes and the yes, yeah, Matthew McConaughey, yes, I did it, that's yay. It. So again, that's just my Christopher Nolan shout out because I think he's a great. Dra- <laughs> the fact that other directors does that have time travel? Hmm? Does that have time travel? Or like it doesn't have body swapping or time well, travel? Well, it's more like time manipulation, I would call I guess, it because there's sure. black, there's black holes and there's like they talk about the effect of uh, oh, what are they called? Relativity, relativity. Yes. So, anyways, uh, getting off topic here. So your name. Um, Here's another interesting quote I found from Shinkai here. Because, again, this film is, like I said, we already established that it made a ton of money. It's critically acclaimed. I think Rotten Tomatoes is probably somewhere in the 90s. Um, but apparently it says, Despite the praise that you received, Shinkai insisted the film is not as good as it could have been. He said, There are things we couldn't do for lack of money. Oh, no. What was it? No, I have to know. No, it's, that's what it's interesting. Right? He says, For me, the film is incomplete, unbalanced. The plot is fine, but the film isn't perfect. Two years was not enough, he says. Oh, well, so can you fix it? <laughs> back out. But I'm wondering now if well, again that came out in 2016. Your name. I'm wondering if the stuff he wanted to do in the film that he couldn't. I wonder if he established if he poured any of that over to Weathering with you. Yeah, people don't like Weathering with you. But I've heard Weathering with you is very similar to your name. So I'm yeah. wondering if there's, he did things in that film that he couldn't do because he had more budget or more time right, with that one. Because yeah, guess, when was your name made? 2016. Okay. That's when it came out. I don't know if it was probably made in like 2015, but it yeah. came out in 2016. Okay, so he had like three, four years, three years. I did this right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. For, for, I don't know anyone that really watches anime. If you knew anybody watching it, would you recommend it to them as a. Yeah. Like, for you to watch it and like it mm-hmm. is pretty big praise. Like, at the end, yeah. I, like, I like those cute stories when, you know, they're just chasing each other, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, definitely thought... teared up at the end. It was yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought the music was really good. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. definitely fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, I really, I haven't watched an anime movie in a long time, mm-hmm. so I was glad I watched this one. Mm-hmm. And you watch it with me, which is like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was watching an anime together. Yeah. Weird. I know. But okay. I definitely want to watch Weathering with you when it comes out. Yes. Subbed. <laughs> yes, we will get the, uh, you mean dubbed, don't you? That's I do mean dubbed. My like, gosh, don't give me something. You want to read the whole thing to me? You go right ahead. <laughs> Okay, um, well, the next film that we watched, and we watched this one together too, the next film we watched um, was also something that showed up on our radar, and we're like, yeah, let's watch that, um, Sing Street. Mm-hmm. This another, was totally like... Another 2016 film. 
that we watched on DVD because we had to rent it from a video store and they didn't have Blu-ray, so DVD uh, was fine. I mean, I don't think this movie's not really big on visuals. No, you not. don't need to have a Blu-ray no. version of this. It kind but. of was fitting, actually, for the movie. Yeah, because, yeah, it's definitely, like, to, before we get into like the details 80s. of the movie, it's, so it was made in 2016. Um, it was made on a budget of $4 million. So anybody, anybody who knows? So this director, his name is John Carney. Um, he is an Irish um, uh, lyricist. Okay. Um, and he's a musician. director also? Oh, okay. So his first directing, the first one we directed, I think it was back, I didn't write down the year, I think it was back in 07 or 08, it was called Once. Yeah, that's why, we, yes, yeah, well, we love Once. Well, Once, I love Once. Yeah, Once. no, Once was great. Uh, and then after Once, he did, I didn't see this one, he did another movie a few years ago, sorry, 2016, yeah, 2014, I think it was, he did one called Begin Again. Okay. That was another, I mean, his films were always based around musicians and stuff, yes. like original songs and everything. Sense. So Begin Again, uh, so whereas Once had like two unknown, like they were essentially musicians who were acting they yes. were actors who you know i mean it was, yeah. it was the pro you did so musicians who were just acting they had a relationship like a romance yeah begin again he actually went with famous people he had uh mark, mark ruffalo and kira knightley and adam levine in that one. Oh my goodness yeah so huh. so for comparison here like once um so once uh had a box office return of 23 million which is pretty good for like an indie sort of musical film. 23 okay. million is, it was obviously a low budget. I didn't yes. write down the budget for that one, but it, it definitely made a profit. So here's the difference. So once made 23 million, begin again, made 63 million. Okay. Probably because it had some names attached yes, to it. Exactly. People recognize the names. And I thought, okay, so 63 million. Again, it's still not a lot of money, but I'm sure it was a low budget. So it made a lot of money profit. So Sing Street here, budget of 4 million, which is obviously really tiny. Um, and it made 13.6. So not a huge box office. Yeah, I'm sad I didn't know about it at the time because we loved one. So I, it's like I, I would have really, loved I that. I feel like this wasn't marketed at all. No, I don't any which is sad. It. Yeah, considering like the other one did okay. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's not. It's definitely an indie. Uh, didn't didn't blow the box office off. But I, was there any known actors in it at all? There was. Yeah. I, no, I definitely I knew some of the actors. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. So another interesting thing I thought about. So like I said, we were established. This director is Irish. Yes. Like, this movie takes place in Ireland in the 80s, right? Yes. I don't know the exact year, but it's sometime in the 80s. Yep. This takes place in Ireland. Whenever Duran Duran was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Duran Duran, The Cure. What yeah. else is on the soundtrack? I don't, I don't even know. I remember those two because the music videos were... Yeah. So the... I don't know if you know this. I looked it up because I was curious. So the the main actor in this film... Like, again, this film was based around high school kids. Yeah, mostly. it's totally different than Once. Like, it's like a different yeah. kind yeah, of... Yeah, Once is like adults. Once is like, yeah, star-crossed kind of musicians getting together. Right. And this is more like... We're kids starting a band. Yeah, it's, it's mostly about one high school kid. His name was Connor. And he has sort of like a broken family life. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has to go to a... He, he apparently is in this really posh school. And then his dad takes him out because they can't afford it. And he puts him in this other... Is it... Would it be... Is it Catholic? Is it a Catholic school? I definitely think it was. Yeah, definitely. I definitely had some... It was some... I don't know. Considering that the, it was, I think it was the, the school brother, was, somebody. School was by a brother. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a Catholic yeah. thing. So let's say it's put in this Catholic school. They're all wearing uniforms and stuff. Yeah. Um, black shoes. Yes, the black <laughs> shoes were a, a sticking point. Um, so, anyways, he gets put into this new school, uh, and he makes some friends quickly. He decides he wants to start a band to impress this hot girl he sees across yes, the street, right? As you all do, as any teenage boy would do, <laughs> right? Of course. So, anyways, in this case, the main actor uh, in this film, he is actually uh, he was a Irish musician. Oh, was he? Yeah. Was so he actually what, a singer? Yeah. Okay. So I like that. I like the fact that the director didn't go try and find some kid who could act and try and teach him how to sing or hope that the kid could sing. He went out and found a kid who was really good at singing and just said, yeah, you can act. 
Like, you're not going to be great I wonder acting. if that, like, he was turned off by the previous film he did, being working with big names. I think that, he went back to I this. That's exactly right. I think I remember reading a review where he said he had some tiff with Kira Knightley or something. Right. He's like, I'm going back to yeah. know, indie stuff. So, yeah. So, like like I said, the kid, the mean kid in this film, Connor, and I, don't, I didn't write down the actor's name, unfortunately, but the kid, I thought he was great in the film. He wasn't going to win any awards for yeah. acting, but he did a good job in his I role. I believe so. I and, believe and, everything. And, you know. Um, now, the, I also like this, too. The, the two prominent actors in the film, which would be the dad. Okay. And uh, his brother. Yeah. His, like, his college brother cool. age brother. Yeah. So they were, bro- they were both, like, named actors that I recognized. The thing I like about it, though, is they're also both Irish actors. Yes. So the director, again, he didn't just hire, like, an American to do an Irish accent. He hired authentic Irish. There were some people's accents in the movie could not understand what they were saying. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, the kid with the orange hair, yeah. not a clue what he said the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And that's my own fault, 100%. I really, but, uh, I really like the subtitles one. Were needed. I really like the one. If I was gonna say any other actor that kind of impressed me in the film, it would be the other kid that he. And the, the, there's like the what, music kid. There's like five or six in the band. Yeah. The one kid that like it's probably the not the not the uh, the red haired kid who's sort of no. like the manager of the band, yeah. the one who films it. The other kid who plays all the instruments. Yes. Yeah. I, was I thought he was too. good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So the the I mean, the plot like the plot of the film, the screenplay, everything in the film was really good. But obviously, obviously, I think the music is what makes it. Yes, we have a war on which song is better. I hear you listening on YouTube to uh, Riddle of the Model, which you're wrong. Ah, there's something really catchy. So there's definitely a few songs in this film that are really catchy and that we're still For listening sure. to on an almost daily basis. Yeah, yes, you really, I was singing yeah, it today you, you, again. You like drive, it like you drive It Like You Stole It? Yeah. Or, yeah, Drive It Like You Stole It. I like Riddle of the Model. Um, yeah, no, really there's good. There's definitely no bad songs in that Nope. movie at all. And, and the little bit of licensed music they have, they use it well. They don't overuse it. No. They, they use it to set up, again, the, the time period. Yes. And, and the idea of why these kids... Because as the kid's watching all these music videos at home with his brother, and then you see him at school the next day wearing, like, a different outfit. Yeah. Like, at one point, he dyes Very his impressionable. hair. He dyes his hair, changes his outfit, yeah. makeup, and stuff like that. So, but... Um, I think they did it for, like, to show where the I, all I thought it was interesting, from. without getting into spoilers here, you had commented on the fact that this movie ends much differently than Once ended. Yeah, I think people didn't like the ending of Once. Well, Once sort of had a bittersweet ending. Where Yeah, but people want to see people get together. Yeah, everyone's a happy ending, <laughs> right? Yeah, especially when it's, like, young love. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, musicians. We love musicians. Yeah. But, you know, I think the film was, uh, I mean, again, I think it was under two hours. It uh, it was paced pretty well. I mean, if it was bored or thinking, okay, let's wrap yeah, no, this up. Yeah, like, sure. it was... Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I, I think, but again, I, this one, it's, I think, outside of us, it's hard to recommend to people. Yeah, because... like, I, the only way I recommend it to people is like, have you seen Once? <laughs> and then people say, we love Once. It's like, okay, if you like Once, catchy songs, but like, Irish boy band, there you go. <laughs> and people say, yeah, Irish, Irish boy band is a good way to sell it, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, They're still yeah. loving it. There's, there's that storyline, but. I yeah, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a film most people wouldn't have heard of. Or no, I was I wouldn't. Like, yeah, like it, I said, it'd, it'd be a good surprise film to uh, present to people. And it's unfortunate that right now, apparently, from what I can tell, it's not on any current streaming services. You can't see it on Netflix or Amazon or anything. Uh, but maybe uh, some other way you can watch it. So is there recommend. another way to watch once? Not that once is on Netflix, isn't it? Is it? That could be wrong, but don't quote me. <laughs> Uh, oh, another thing, another thing I thought was kind of interesting about this too. I have one more point for you move on to the next film. Um, so his, the other two films the director has done, so Once and Begin Again. Yeah. They were both nominated for Academy Awards for Best Song. Once actually won for Best Original Song. Oh, Begin yeah. Begin Again was nominated, but they didn't win. Okay. This film, Sing Street, didn't have any nominations. Oh. So it really was under the radar. I think it definitely did. 2016, there must have been something else that came out that was massive then. Yeah. Because, yeah, they, definitely. I think, I think they normally nominate five... Like up to five songs at the Oscars. So Maybe that, they couldn't get them to come and sing it. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the point, right? I mean, yeah, it's now alive. they do these things. Right. Okay, well, uh, we'll go on to the next film. Unfortunately, the next two films are sort of solo efforts for me, so you're not going to have a lot of input. I'm ready to listen again. Bouncing off of my uh, comments time. here. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the next one I watched, I, I rented this one on 4K because... Um, Is it beautiful? Yeah, it definitely. I'm definitely glad I rented it on 4K because the visual. That's the reason I wanted to. Is I heard the visuals really good in the film. So this one is called Ad, Ad Astra. Oh yes, this is like the hit or miss movie of last year. Well, so critically, people loved it. It had like 84% Rotten Tomatoes or something. So it's definitely like a really well reviewed film. But um, I don't think it performed very well for a number of reasons. I'll get into. I, I wrote down the numbers here. It had an 87.5 million budget, and it made 127. Oh, so, the, the general rule of thumb is if you don't make double your budget back, you're probably not, marketing. You're the marketing, everything, you're probably gonna make a profit. So yeah. this film probably didn't profit, but um, so but you wouldn't really call it a huge bomb either. Uh, but the pro- problem, several problems with this film, I think, with with marketing, yeah, like a the title doesn't help it. The title, I think, both I think is it's a it's either Latin or it's something like parents. I think Ad Astra means to the stars. Okay. Essentially, what it, it's obviously so. If you've seen the trailer, you're gonna know it's a space movie. It's both. It's a sci-fi. It's me about space, um, but yeah, like for people who were just like at if you, if, someone, if if our parents just like at Astra walked to a box off or walked into a movie theater yeah. and saw this movie's playing, they wouldn't know what the hell at Astra yeah. means. So the, the title doesn't help it. But um, if you were, if you saw the trailer or if you were, if you had any knowledge of the film at all, you might think, okay, so if you like Brad Pitt, you're in. If you like sci-fi space films, you're in. Like any of those things. Um, now the trailers marketed it. Uh, I would say a bit more actiony, like definitely uh, more fast-paced. <laughs> You're making me tra- think that it's not. It is not. <laughs> this is definitely a very slow-paced burn of a film, especially. Uh, it's a little over two hours, just over two hours, maybe wow. two, ten, two hours, I mean, ten minutes. Watch it. Well, my, yeah, my son was kind of watching it with me, not really. <laughs> he was on, he was, him sitting on the couch beside me does not cause him watching it, playing Nintendo, but. Um, Anyways, back to this film. Uh, it's also kind of hard to... Well, actually, the plot, when you think about it, actually does break down pretty basically. So Brad Pitt's character um, is, a, is an astronaut, and uh, he finds out that his father, who is also an astronaut, he went on a mission like 30 years ago and never came back. So he's presumed dead. And then uh, now apparently uh, there's all this phenomena happening on Earth, like these electrical storms or something's happening that is causing a bunch of problems on Earth. And... Uh, they find out like he gets brought into this briefing with his commanders in space. They call it space calm. <laughs> no. Space command, space calm. <laughs> so he gets brought into space calm, and his superiors give him this classified briefing of the basically like you know, oh, your father, um, who you know went on the went on the mission thirty years ago. We lost contact with him seventeen years ago. Um, he was presumed dead, but we think he's still alive out there. We think he's causing these disruptions in space. Because apparently, he went up on this special thing called the Lima Project. It was a spaceship, and uh, their idea was just to explore for extraterrestrial life in the in the universe. And he went up with this ship that had uh, uh, antimatter okay. in it. Um, antimatter, I guess, is um, I only. It's funny. I remember antimatter from like numerous other sci-fi films, but my my, my brief knowledge of it is that it's some kind of uh, scientific creation where it's kind of like like antimatter. I believe is very it's a very unstable thing where it's like these two. Uh, uh, protons. I can't think of the word right now, but neutrons, it, electrons, atoms. 
Bos Boson? Boson? What the heck is, is that? that? Word? I don't know. <laughs> For Pamela, I don't remember this from the Angels and Demons, which was a terrible Whoa. film. It had the antimatter stuff in that too, and it's something like if if these two things collide, it'll cause a huge. Didn't we learn that from Science Gate? <sighs> yes, probably. Okay, <laughs> getting off topic here. Anyways, the you know, it's not important. So Fred Astra, uh, basically the father is on this ship in space and he has this really powerful thing on board that could like destroy the solar system as we know it mm-hmm. if it were to explode so they they want brad pitt's character to to basically fly into space find his father and well, bring him home if he's alive but at worst uh disable the antimatter thing so that you uh, know earth isn't destroyed or the whole solar system is destroyed yep. so it's it's like a big uh big setup for this right yeah. it's not just like you know earth's at risk Go find like, your no, daddy. The whole solar system's at risk yeah yeah, go find your daddy. So before we get into the plot and everything, I'll just say, so like I said, obviously the big name on this film is Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's kind of to make a, if only to make a comparison to 1917 where you're following that one character the whole film, I would say this film is like 85% Brad Pitt. There's a lot of times he's alone. Um, I mean, there's other actors in the film too, but the film is definitely, he carries the film definitely. Without a more prominent actor i think this film would definitely failed it would not have kept my attention at all but he is he was great in it it's definitely a very subtle performance like he's done some over-the-top stuff before for sure this is definitely very like he they make a point at the beginning of this film that he he's revered by the other astronauts because his, his bpm never goes like above 90 like even when he's in space like he, he's so calm wow. he's so calm like he never loses his cool never right. now here's one thing about the film i heard about heard this about the film going in when i seen other reviews on it that's hit or miss for some people. And I kind of felt the same way when I was watching the film. The film relies heavily on voiceover from Brad Pitt. So there'll be scenes where he's, because he's, he's alone a lot of time. The film's kind of set up, I think he's either separated or divorced from his wife. He doesn't have any kids or anything. And obviously his dad is, as far as he knows, is gone. So he doesn't really have any family or friends. He just has his job. So a lot of times he's alone. And the film wants us to know what he's thinking or what he's feeling. So, so it's like 100% different than 1917 where it's quiet when right. he's alone. There's definitely, yeah. There's, there still is some of that in this film when he's in, in space by himself, but for the most part, there's a lot of this voiceover and there's sometimes where I think the voiceover is not needed. It's right. like, I don't know if the director just is thought... Is it like over-explaining? It's not that it's over-explaining. Just unnecessary it's just, dialogue. Yeah, it's unnecessary. And I think Brad Pitt's a good enough actor that if you show me something like a picture... And I look at his eyes. I can probably tell what he's thinking. Right. I don't need to have you tell me. I miss you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But one interesting thing that you, that you can, can come back to in this film is, and it goes back to his his um, his calm and his poise under pressure and stuff, is he, and it, this is probably something that's common for all astronauts. I don't know if this is a, a part of fictionalized storytelling or not, but he constantly has these psychological evaluations um, when he's like out in space and stuff. Like he'll, he'll put this little thing on his neck looks almost like a little bluetooth thing and he'll have like a uh he'll, he'll do a psychological exam and they'll basically say to him you know you're cleared for your mission or you know because he'll just talk about what he's thinking what his fears are stuff like that um so anyways the film is um like i said uh, definitely pretty slow uh it does pick up at some points it has moments where you can tell the directors like, okay we need to have something cool happen here we're losing people <laughs> and then it'll be it'll be slow again mm. and something else cool will happen there's even one scene logging into spoilers that happened in the middle of the film. I was just like, that just feels really out of place. I got so the pacing is horrible. <sighs> yes and no. Like, like I said, it's not a very long film. I definitely didn't feel like I wasn't looking at my watch or my mm. phone and being like, okay, this is gonna be over yet. Like, I, but at some points, I was like, it, it, it builds that that roller coaster where you're like, you're expecting something cool to happen now because it's been so down for the last twenty right. minutes. But um, definitely the standard of the film visually and from an action standpoint because i'd never seen and this is what actually hooked me in the trailer i thought 
when I saw the trailer, I thought it's either gonna be really silly or really cool. And there's a scene where, so he goes to the moon. I guess most movies have established that when you're flying anywhere in the solar system, usually you go to the moon or you land on the moon or something because to go like you can't fly directly from Earth to like another planet. You run out of fuel. It's impossible. Okay. Even if you're going to like, Mar- I think initially you're supposed to go to the moon and then from there go to Mars and then from there go to Neptune. Okay. Wow, that's a how the heck. So obviously he's not gonna fly directly from Earth to Neptune. He's got to stop at the moon. And again, I don't really know what... This film is definitely set in the future at some point. I don't know if it's like 30, 40 years from now in the future, but it's definitely not current because... Or if it is, it's like a fictionalized current universe because he goes to the moon and they've already... I guess Earth's already established a base on the moon. It's almost like a mall. Okay. It's weird. Like he goes Do people in, live there? Yeah, yeah. He, okay. goes, like he goes there and there's people living there and there's like... So he goes into this mall. Like literally, there's like escalators. It's so, wow. The product placement is so weird. He goes, he, goes up oh, these no. es- he goes up these escalators into a mall. And the first thing you see, there's like a subway. Oh my goodness! A, a DHL <laughs> a post office thing, and I'm like, That's well, silly. What? I'm like, so whatever. That's but funny. You're only there for a minute. He goes on. To That's the how next... they made back their lost budget. Yeah. <laughs> but the coolest part, like I said, we're I'm getting to is uh, so he has to essentially. Um... Who the heck would you DHL on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where oh, are we Mars. Track, but... Mars has the crap. What you said? The moon has them all. Yeah, the moon, okay. not Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah the moon. So, anyways, he's oh, on the moon. Man. He has to. They have to go from Earth and land on the Moon. He's supposed to take another shuttle from the Moon, I guess, to go to Mars. Yeah. So he's just changing ships essentially. Right. So he gets off. Connecting flight. He so he rendezvous with these. Uh, there's like these soldiers, like these military people that are on the Moon, and they're like, okay, so we have to get in these like Land Rovers, like these dune buggies, essentially. We have to take you from one side of the Moon to the next, where your shuttle is going to be. But they're saying the reason why he has like a military transport or an escort, I should say, is because along the way they're like, oh, we have raiders on the Moon. And oh, they, they, they might hijack you and take you as a hostage. How but did they get there? I'm like, wait, what? So now I'm like, okay, so this is getting interesting now. So, like, apparently there's some kind of, like, uh, mutiny going on on the moon where you have this faction. And, and my mind now is going to, like, Borderlands or something. I'm thinking of, like, a video game where it's, like, <laughs> you know, you're being hunted. So, anyways, they're on this. Um, so, Brad Pitt's in this one dune buggy. Uh, with, And there's, like, another one escorting them behind with these soldiers. So, at one point... The scene shot really cool. So you see these people obviously driving parallel to them, and they, so Brad Pitt's character's thinking like, you know, oh, you know, soldier or, or colonel, look over there. We're gonna get, we're gonna get intercepted by these these raiders. So sure enough, these and so <laughs> this really, like I said, the film could get really silly or really cool, and I thought it veered more towards the cool side of things. Um, so they basically they have a shootout on the moon where these raiders are shooting. And I don't know if they're shooting bullets or lasers. I was going to say like how, I don't know how bullets work on the moon. Again, again I, I'm not. I was just so into the scene. I wasn't thinking about the science <laughs> of it, but I'm thinking okay because they're shooting out the tires on this vehicle and they're ramming them and stuff. Okay, and I, I don't know how gravity's working. No, no that idea. doesn't sound like it works. But it was a really cool scene, I will say, <laughs> especially visually. That definitely. So um, so after that, I mean, Brad Pitt escapes. Always uses Brad Pitt. Yeah. They, they end up getting away from these raiders. Brad Pitt gets on his other ship, flies to Mars. Um, and his raiders on Mars. The idea, the idea behind him going to Mars was, I believe, he had to go to Mars because, again, there's another, uh, not a colony there, but there's a station of scientists and stuff there. He had to go to Mars to, because like, obviously, like, like I said, they think his father's somewhere on Neptune or around Neptune's ring or something like that. So he needed to go to Mars to send a transmission, a radio transmission to his father. They wanted him to reach out to his father and be like, you know, hey, it's your son. Are you still alive? Can I come see you? You know, basically trying to make contact right? right so this is where again the film takes a bit of a slow dip but i understand why it is this way so brad pitt gets to mars um he has this like pre-recorded message that space wants him to read to his dad so he reads this thing into a mic 
and then the scientists will be like, oh, we got no no transfers from your dad. So then it just there's like this montage of like Brad Pitt, you know, realizing his dad's not there. He goes back to his room, voiceover. He's thinking, you know, dad, are you still alive? What's going on? And then like there'll be scenes where like you can tell like he's been there for days or even weeks, constantly reading this thing over and right. over and never getting any contact. So eventually one day he goes back in the room and he's ready to read this this message and he just kind of like puts the papers down and he speaks from his heart. He gives his dad an, an uh, uh, I call it improvised message and and that's what gets through to his dad i guess his dad does make does acknowledge the transmission but they don't tell brad pitt that like they, they basically they come into the room and just say you know thanks for your help major we're gonna send you back to earth now and he's like well wait what about my dad and they're like well you're you're too emotional for this mission now we can't let you continue and then he fails the psych evaluation after that oh. so their orders are to bring him back to earth essentially and of course he sort of steal the ship yeah he basically says, "I'm gonna like go. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna like sneak aboard the ship that's going to my dad, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna like uh, okay. stow away on it, yeah. And then find him. So, and I'm like, okay, so movie's gonna get good again, <laughs> right? But I will say that scene where Brad Pitt does that. Uh, um, I, can't, I can't think right now. What was the word I used earlier? Uh, in, improvisational. Where he okay. just improv. You know, free spoke from his heart. He right. told his dad what he wanted to hear. That scene was the best acting he's done in a while." You could tell. Like, again, he's, he doesn't have to be super really emotional. He's not, like, crying during the scene or anything. But you can just tell it in his eyes and the way he's talking that you're thinking, this is a guy who hasn't seen his dad in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even know if his dad's alive. He's, it's his last plea. And then when he finds out from these people, like, oh, yeah, your dad responded, but we're not going to tell you what he said or anything. I was like, well, how would you feel, right? Of course he's going to yeah. get pissed off and try and, like... Well, he has nothing back on earth to go to anyway. Exactly, like... right? So, so he does eventually... Um, skipping ahead here. Spoilers again. He does eventually get to Neptune finds the, the ship, uh, gets on the ship, and then finds his dad. His dad's still alive. Now, his dad, in this case, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. So, again, which I really like because, um, like, Tommy Lee Jones, I'm pretty sure in real life at this point, he's got to be in his mid to late 70s. He's uh-huh. pretty old now. And he looked his part in the movie. He looked like a guy who'd been in space for 30 years. Oh, like, Brad Pitt's not the youngest either, so. Yeah. Fits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The age fit between the two of them. Like, you believe they were father and son. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's another, this is the, definitely the most emotional part of the movie. So he meets his dad on the ship, um, and uh, he basically says, "Hey, you know, hey, dad, we gotta go home now." And uh, and his dad's like, "No," he's like, "I got too much work to do here." Like, no, sorry, I skipped one important plot point here. At this <laughs> oh point. boy! Obviously, his dad, the Tommy Lee Jones character, he didn't go up to space by himself. Obviously, he went up with a crew oh, of people. Okay, that's been established that when they lost transmission, like in that seventeen-year period when they lost transmission with him and Earth, it was established that the, the other people on the ship realized we're not going to find any alien life out here we're tired of this crap let's go home tommy jones was like nope we're going to stay here as long as it takes the basically the other people on the ship tried to do a mutiny and okay. tommy jones killed them all oh. killed the whole crew so now brad pitt's conflicted because he's thinking like okay so you killed all these innocent people because... where do you have food for that long yeah they they, they do gloss over some <laughs> of features of that but and when I say kill them, when I say kill, I don't mean that he killed them with bare hands. Basically, turn off their life support and stuff. Uh, so there's like a six year or something. But um, so yeah, the crew's all dead. That's why Tommy Jones is there by himself on this ship, kind of going nuts because he's been alone for you know at least thirteen years. Yep. Um, so basically, Brad Pitt's like, "Hey, let's go home, Dad," and he's like, "No, I got too much stuff to do here." And then he even says, he looks Brad straight in the eyes. He's like. There's nothing there. There's nothing at home for me. He's like, I never cared about you and your mom. Wow. So, yeah, and that's another scene where, again, Brad Pitt being subtle. There's like the one tear down the cheek type thing, but you can just tell in his head what's Why would he have bothered responding to the thing? I mean, you want to see his son one last time, but. Well, it doesn't sound like it if he's going to hit that blow. Well, I think he was. 
in a way, I think he was saying that to his son just to kind of get him to leave. Like, he didn't, okay. you know, just be like, go home. Like, I don't want you. I'll be out here die alone kind of thing. But he knew his son wouldn't give up that easily. So, um, without getting into spoilers as to how the film ends. Like, the film doesn't really end in a uh, super satisfying way, in my opinion. Um, it, you know, it, it's a fine film. Like, I, I what I wrote down here, and my notes, I just wrote down, uh, visually impressive, especially the Moon Rover chase, which I've already established. Yep. Great father-son dynamic. Like, I don't even mean the end film. I just mean, like, throughout the film when Brad's thinking about past memories of his dad and stuff. I thought they did a good job building up. And the climactic moment when they finally meet in the end of the film, I thought it was really good. That was probably the best part of the screenplay right. for me. But, um, again, I think this would be a hard film for me to recommend to people because I would have to know you're okay with a long, drawn-out... Rollercoaster uh, pacing. Yeah. Um, Is that what people hated most about the movie? <laughs> I'm trying to remember any of the negative comments I saw on it. Like, it's just, again, I think some people had issues with the way the story was presented, like the voiceovers and mm. the uh, the way it wrapped up and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I'd be very curious. Like I said, I watched this at home, obviously. So when I was done watching it, I was like, okay. And then I went on with the rest of my day. Yeah. I have a feeling like leaving the theater the way this ended would be a little unsatisfying. Like, you get up and be like, oh, okay. I, I imagine the audience would be like, yeah, that was, that was cool, I guess. But. <laughs> Not space. It's, I, don't, I, honestly, I don't even know if I'd honestly rewatch it, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, there's not a lot you take away from a second viewing, I don't think. So, and I'm big on repeat viewings, as you know. Yes. yes. I am no more inception <laughs> ever in our lives. Again, Chris Nolan masterpiece, I was going to say. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Any other, you have any thoughts about what I said about that film? Or? Sounds boring. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't like that. I don't like Brad Pitt either, so <laughs> this is not a good cocktail. All right. Uh, well, let's finish off, at least let's finish our movie discussion here with my last film, my most recent film I've seen. Uh, I think I saw it last week in theaters. I want to say it was last. Oh, what did you see? Oh, The, the, one the Gentleman. The Gentleman. Yeah, so I this. I have no idea what this is. Okay, well, here we go. So, <laughs> for the viewers, listeners, <laughs> not viewers, we're not on video. No. For the listeners. Oh, that's what you think. I'm joking. Uh, there's no way <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're getting paranoid now. Um,. <laughs> So The Gentleman is a, I guess you call it a British gangster film, directed by Guy Ritchie. Okay, yes, I know him. Um, Guy Ritchie, his most recent films have not been great. His last couple of films, he did the Aladdin reboot recently. Well, I don't Will know Smith. if that's not big. Well, when I say, no, okay, big in terms of, it was prominent, like people knew about it. It wasn't great. Let's just say his last few films have not been well received, but they did big budget films. He did, the last not well received? He did Aladdin, uh, he did uh, King Arthur. A few years ago, uh, which I actually did like that film, but it was yeah. it wasn't well received. I don't think. Oh, I was the only did before that. Um, oh, I can see it in my head. <laughs> oh, uh, he did the Man from Uncle. I don't even know that one. That was okay. Henry Cavill from The Witcher. Yes, he uh, was in that one. Okay, that was pretty good too. But not. And then before that, I guess for you, his most prominent stuff would have been the two most recent Sherlock Holmes movies with oh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh yes, the ones that people don't like. I like them. Well, I they, but, but they're different Sherlock. Like they're yes. not normal Sherlock. Yes, yes, yes. The haters gonna hate. So his, I think his filmography the last decade or so has definitely been a bit mixed. But in my opinion, his best film, going back to two thousand or two thousand one, called Snatch. Yep. Which, um, yeah, that was a, another British Who's gangster Brad film. Pitt? Brad Pitt was in that one. Yes, but that one had great cast, and that that movie is so rewatchable. I can watch Snatch so many times over and over. It's a great film. So the, when I had her comparisons to this one, like. No one's going to say this is the exact same as Snatch, but it felt like Guy Ritchie came back to his roots. This is what he does best. He does quick dialogue um, with a British cast and some random violence thrown in. He's kind of like a British Tarantino. Yeah, I was going to say I, that. I would say. You know what I mean? 
Um, so, where's Tarantino from? Is he American? I'm pretty sure he's American. Okay, get off topic again. I'm talking about Tarantino right now. Like, Tarantino could be a whole other podcast yeah. for another day. I could just talk about all Tarantino's films. I don't but... know if I've ever watched Tarantino film. Oh, yes, I have. I've watched one. Which one? Django. That's the only one you've seen? Yeah, I think. You haven't seen The Kill Bills? Oh, man. Maybe okay, way mind. back in the okay, day. Get off topic. Okay, so The Gentleman. Um, great cast. Um, so I guess in like, the, the only one, the only person in the cast who's not British, as far as I know. I mean, no, I, I know he's not British. I'm trying to think of other actors in the film. I'm pretty sure he's the only one who's not British. Is Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Uh, but the other the other actors you have like uh well, I shouldn't say British, sorry, because some of them are not European. Not, you know, let's say not Americans. <laughs> okay. Matthew McConaughey's American. The other non American actors in the film, like Hugh Grant, yep. Colin Farrell. Hugh, Hugh um, Grant, what the heck has he done recently? He's getting more prominent stuff he lately. Really? Yeah, he did he did kind of fall off after all his rom coms and like yeah. very, anyways. That's what I know him for. Yeah. So yeah, Hugh Grant, um Hugh Grant, Colin Farrell, yep. Charlie Hunnam, Sons of Anarchy. Okay, yeah. No. Pacific Rim. Nope. Okay, you're not gonna know. Other people would probably know what John yes. Hunnam is. Um, what's I missing? A, a great cast. You're not gonna know any actors like Jeremy Strong, Eddie Marsan, Michelle Dockery, Henry Golding. Amazing cast. Everybody does a great you. job in this movie. Um, but the main character the protagonist is Matthew McConaughey, and I think he was a great fit for this role. Uh, if you told me he's gonna be in a Guy Ritchie film, I'd be like, eh, I don't know if that's gonna work. But he was great in the movie. Okay. He was just playing. He was playing an American. He was trying to play off a British accent. Good. Like that. He was. He was an American. Like he was. And his character was born in America, came to Europe, to London, I believe, to sell weed. Okay. He went to, yeah, he got accepted to like Oxford or something as a, you know, as a, as a young man. And then he just got into the weed business and just built up like Is a, it illegal there? Yes. Okay. Yes, in the UK it's definitely, so this is the. I don't the, know, we're well, in Canada now. I know, I know. I'm just saying the whole point of this film, it definitely makes a point of saying that he's a criminal. He has multiple weed farms, hundreds of millions of dollars. The whole basic plot of the film is Matthew McConaughey wants to like retire. Hmm. And he's going to sell his whole weed business to this other wealthy American for like $400 million. Okay. So this other American um, gets to take a tour of one of his hidden weed farms. Okay. Essentially what he does is, if I'm trying to remember the plot correctly, and I'll get to the plot in a second because it can be really all over the place, but that's typical for a Guy Ritchie film. So Mm. Matthew McConaughey's plot in this film is, like the because they're saying like, well, how do you hide all these weed farms? You know, how the police never bust you or anything. So apparently there's all these estates in the uk you know like famous lords yeah. and uh, royals who own these huge properties in, in europe right so he Matthew McConaughey basically pays them off to use their land but okay. usually underground so he'll have like like at one point he goes to like this famous estate and uh there's just like a shipping container sitting okay. on this guy's property and if you go into the shipping container there's like a hidden stairway down to the underground oh. where the weed farm is and everything. okay so wow it's established that's that, yeah, elaborate exactly and uh, so it's a good operation. They go over the numbers multiple times. As to, yeah. You know, they did a thing. Because basically, McConaughey is selling this like a businessman. So he's saying, like, here's my net profits. Here's how much you expect to earn, yada, yada. So they go over it. Now, the beginning of the film starts out, like I said, in typical guy, typical guy Richie fashion, where you have Hugh Grant's character is basically a private investigator. Okay. And he plays such a sleazeball in this film oh really it's, you can tell Hugh Grant's having a blast in this film. <laughs> it's the most fun I've ever seen him in a film he's playing such a degenerate and he's so good at it um, which I like seeing more of these roles but mm-hmm. anyways so he definitely steals the show in this film uh, but he starts off by um, explaining to so McConaughey has like a right hand man and I can't remember the guy's name right now it's driving me nuts. not the actor the character you know what I mean I can't remember McConaughey's friend's name but so the Charlie Hunnam character basically is McConaughey's right hand guy 
So Hugh Grant, well, I think his name is Fletcher, so I'm calling him Fletcher. So Fletcher goes to this other guy's house, and, uh, and he basically says, you know, oh, I think his name is Ray. So I'm trying, I remember the dog's coming back <laughs> to me now. I remember, imagine Hugh Grant saying, like, let me tell you a story, Ray. So yeah, thank you for the accent. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I never said it was going to be good. <laughs> so he tells, so he's telling a story. He's basically telling us as the audience. He's saying, let me tell you a story. So then he, that's how he gives us the backstory of McConaughey's character. It's as if he's he's telling the other character, but in the way he's telling us too, obviously. He's just relaying the information to us um, through a voiceover. And who is he telling us to, sorry? So so the Hugh Grant character, Fletcher, yes. he's telling us to McConaughey's... Right-hand man. His right-hand guy, okay. basically. Because he's it. basically saying, like... He, basically, Hugh Grant's character is trying to blackmail. Right. He's like, I know about your weed... Uh, I was just a different word. Industry, not industry. Oh my gosh. Underground operation. Sure, your weed operation. Let's just call. It. I know about your weed operation. I'm gonna blackmail you. And here's the story. So, because as it turns out, um, there's this other subplot involving uh, uh, like an Asian crime family. Oh jeez. And they offer to buy McConaughey's weed business, but for much less than the American was gonna buy it. For. Oh, I see. So now you have this sort of gang conflict where the Asians want to take it over. McConaughey snubs the one guy, like pretty harsh to two basically says it, you know He'll come back and kill you. Hmm? He'll come back and kill you. Right. So McConaughey makes a lot of enemies in this film. Yeah. So it all comes to this huge climax where all these people want to kill him. Like it involves Russians and Asians and all these other British people and everything. So it's a definitely uh, but the movie definitely the first half hour or so, I can see a lot of audiences kinda of getting restless about like Okay, because there's a lot of build-up to this plot. They have to establish all the characters. Mm-hmm. There's a few. And again, the dialogue is great, but the way Hugh Grant... Because the characters are all British, so you really have to listen to the dialogues. You're missing mm-hmm. certain... Like, they use certain, obviously, um, words and, and phrases you might not be familiar with. British speak, so... We watch enough Grand Tour to understand British speak. Yeah. <laughs> Aluminium. <laughs> yes. I always love when they or say the that. boot. The boot. Yes. But... Um, yeah, so the dialogue can definitely take some very um, deliberate, deliberate viewing. You really have to pay attention to it. Right. But once you get into the once about halfway through the film, you really get into the into the, the mix of what's going on, and you, you go with the flow. So um, the uh, there's not a lot of action in the film too that I would have expected from the marketing, or even from a Guy Ritchie film in general. Not a lot of action, but what is there was good. It, it served the plot well. Um, it's, uh, I would say, so again, my notes here just said it was a bit of a slow beginning, uh, middle picks up, and then I thought the finale was kind of cliche, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. it ended the way I expected it to. There were a couple of twists in there, but the ending had one of those scenes where, like, I almost rolled my eyes because you just, if you've seen any number of crime movies before, you know what's going to happen. So at the end of the movie, the Hugh Grant character thinks he got away with it. Like, he, mm. by that I mean he... The Hugh Grant character, the... The, the, the P.I., the slimy guy, yeah. Because he's trying to blackmail them, and then he realized that they had blackmail on him. Oh! So, and they were gonna kill him, but he gets away at the end. He's thinking, "Oh, I got away." I see that. Okay, yeah. And so, at, so at one point at the end of the film, he gets into like a taxi cab, and he's thinking, like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, get out of the country yeah. or something." And you know, the driver, the way they film it, you know, the driver's gonna be one of the two. The not the Matthew McConaughey, but the right hand yeah. guy. You just know. And then, like, he, he puts the the rearview camera down. You see his face. He's like, "Hello, Fletcher." And you're like, "Of course, he's gonna like." And then he calls McConaughey and says, we got, we got Fletcher. And he's like, good. And like, that's kind of like how it ends. It's just like, you know, oh. everybody's ha- it's happy ending. Everybody, are, bad guys happy? are dead, the good guys are... Do you get are, to retire? Yeah. You got to retire with his hot girlfriend and uh, <laughs> sell his... And he's, and he, well, he didn't... So without giving going into too many spoilers either, he didn't really sell the weed business because the, American, the other American guy was going to kind of screw him over. 
but he ended up getting a huge payoff from that guy. So I think he basically made like $300 million and got to keep his wee business anyway. Oh. So, unless he sold it to somebody else, I don't remember that. No, I don't think he sold it, though. I don't think that was ever established. But, um, uh, yeah, but overall, I was very happy with the film. Um, it would definitely, uh, I would watch it again. Uh, I would probably buy it. I think it definitely has a lot of rewatch value. Um, performances were great. What does it have um, anything to do with the gentleman? Doesn't sound very gentlemanly. Well, I think it's a take on it's a little dig at British. This is basically how the way like British crime films would go. Like if this was if this was the same plot was made in, in an American film, it would be a lot, you know, a lot more violent, a lot more of like killing and, and swearing and stuff. Where I think this one's supposed like there are scenes in this film where. McConaughey's character definitely acts as a gentleman. He wants to do right. He wants to do business a certain way. Like there's a scene where even like when the one young Asian guy comes in office to buy his business from, like they're sitting across the table drinking tea together, and, like just discussing business. <laughs> it's not like some, you know, the way you think a drug deal would go in America kind of thing. So I think that's where the title kind of comes from. It's like let's do everything as gentlemen, I see. but then we can devolve into yeah violence as well if yeah. we need to. So yeah, I, like I said, I, I saw it with my mom because I know she loves Ritchie films too, <laughs> and she was very very happy with the film. Um, so I think it's definitely you can recommend it to a wide audience anybody who's seen his films before would be into it people who just like the cast in general would be into it um, like it's funny like even like my mom when we were walking back to the car she recognized she's like where do I know that one girl from in the movie there's not many females in the movie like McC- McConaughey has a wife in the movie and she's a pretty prominent character too but my mom's like where do I know that, that woman from and I'm like she was in Downton Abbey oh really and my mom's like oh yeah I like, recognize her but, so anyways yeah, so it's got a little bit of something for a lot of different audiences. I think it's a very wide appealing film. Um, yeah, so I know you're probably January not. sounded pretty good for you. Is what I'm hearing in terms of theater movies or just anything in general? general. Well, I would say definitely for theater. Like January has always sort of been established as the time of year where Hollywood just dumps all the crap into theaters. Well, because like, it's not for nominations anymore. You forget about it by the end of the year. And audiences usually are. Like, movies you know, usually pick up to, like, March or so. Yeah. So January, you're typically... Like, February, you have your rom-coms and stuff like that. January, oh, yeah. yeah, usually it's, like, crappy horror films. Films that get dumped after Oscar season that no one cares about. Yeah. But, yeah, this year, like I said, I... Well, I mean, technically 1917... It, did, last year. It, it did come out in 2019. Because they wanted to qualify for yeah. the Oscars, but it didn't get a wide release till 2020. Right. So yeah, I would say two. I saw two great films in theater so far in January, which I'm very happy with. Um, and to be honest, I, I, I guess I'll give a shout out here, even though I didn't get around to seeing it, and I probably won't before this month is over. But I had heard, I had heard really good things about the new Bad Boys film. Oh with yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like going in, I thought I saw the trailer. Well, I thought, eh, and then jokey, I think, it, like, I think oh it's gonna gosh. be terrible. But it actually had like a Cash 75 paycheck. on Rotten Tomatoes, and like people were saying like, oh the the chemistry is still there between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. I'm like, okay, so I don't know if I'll get around to seeing that one in theaters, but I definitely want to watch it. Yeah. Like, it's definitely on my radar now. Um, so that's it. Found one of your many lists. I would say in terms of, um, like I said, I still have obviously a pretty big wish list on, on Netflix and stuff to watch. I think the next one, the next film that I want to get around to watching sometime, sometime the next week or so, especially before the Oscars start because it has some nominations, is that one on Netflix called Marriage Story. Oh, yeah. With uh, Adam, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Yes. I heard really good things about that, like the performances, the writing, and it's nominated for some Oscars, so I definitely want to watch that in the next week or so. When is the Oscars, sorry? I believe it's... Is it the week after the Super Bowl? So, like, the week after this week? Like, this this Sunday is the Super Bowl, February 2nd, yeah. so I think it's the week after the Oscars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but... Uh, what else do you want to talk about? I don't know. I just want to like chill with you 
<laughs> chill. We've been talking for a while. I'm going to my voice when we're talking so much. Wow. Need a drink or something. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know for next time. <laughs> yeah, did you have fun? Talking about all your movies. Remembering. Yeah, like, you complained about your memory, but you remembered a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, way more. Like, I could. I just finished a game, like, I don't even know. At the beginning of this year, the first game I beat, Little Dragon's Cafe. Could I tell you any of the names of anybody? No. <laughs> so, you are def- You have way better memory than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. It's just nice to get my thoughts out. Uh, like, like, I think, like you said, I think talking about it helped me remember a lot more things. Because um, I... The reason, the reason why I usually rewatch movies so often is because I, I take obviously I take something away from the movie the first time I see it, whether it's just the basic plot or the the music or the visuals or whatever. And usually the second time I watch something, obviously you're focusing on different things or picking up different things you didn't see the first time. Or and then eventually, like I said, I've seen so many movies in my collection so many times I can recite the dialogue probably almost line for line for mm-hmm. you. But um, no, I I would like the like some goals. Um, we need to finish the James May in Japan. Yes, we'll finish that Amazon series. Um, we need to finish Gate. Yes, we'll finish that <laughs> video game. Yes, visual novel. Yes. Um, but yeah, I would like to start a game too, and finish it. But I have yeah. been sick and not in the mood to deal with games. <laughs> so I just play Picross forever. Yeah, I guess if we're gonna talk about gaming stuff in January, I, I don't have a lot to talk about. Um, oh, I... Apex. Yes. Season four is coming. Apex, okay, Apex you have to tell Legends. me right now. Okay. Right. Is it Forge or Revenant? That's gonna be the new character. Which one do I think? Yeah. I think the season will start with Revenant as the character, but I think Forge comes back in some capacity. I even saw a thing on Reddit today where someone was saying like, "So for those that don't know, we're talking about Apex Legends, which is Tyler's um, favorite game ever. Came out in February. I believe it was February fourth, twenty nineteen. Yeah, Why do you think it's fourth? I always think it's fifteenth. No, because the one-year anniversary is coming up. Season 4 starts February 4th. That's the one-year anniversary. Are you sure? Yes. I think it's the 15th. It's not the 15th. I'm pretty sure it's the 15th. Oh, my gosh. We can look it up after. But yes. So I, so if, if I'm right. Fine. Let's just say February 2019. Yes, it date. definitely is February. February 2019 it's is not when... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Opposites. Either way. Oh, uh, the teaser. Almost a year ago, Apex yes. Legends was launched on... PS4, Xbox, PC, like the main platform. Yeah. It's not a Switch or anything, but PS4, Xbox, PC, Apex Legends was... Uh, it's not the main platform, but it's still more than Xbox. Released by EA, uh, by Respawn, well, published by EA, yeah. uh, developed by Respawn Entertainment. Who are, you know for Titanfall. Yes, popular for the Titanfall games. Um, and a couple of Call of Duty games in the past. And the recent Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Very good studio. Anyways, Apex Legends kind of like stealth dropped uh a year ago and it was, it was it's a battle royale so you know in the vein of a uh, PUBG or fortnite or call of duty blackout that type of format but with its own twist on it like apex legends has obviously there's uh what it launched with uh eight mm-hmm. was it eight or seven it was eight caustic and mirage were unlockable tyler your memory is bad yes, i lied exactly there we go <laughs> I, I, I had a brain for a second eight okay it launched with eight characters uh, they each have different abilities. Yes. At, at its heart, the game is a first-person shooter, a battle royale. Um, but the, what set it apart, I think, from the other uh, games in that genre was the uh, the characters having like abilities and the uh, mostly just the fact that the gunplay and the oh movement. Oh my gosh, that's not even what set it apart. What you having to work in squads with three was different. Wait, the respawn beacons were different. No, 
No, I think even before even before you get into the fact that you're playing as a team of three, I think it's really what set it apart was the the gunplay and the movement. It was like all the other games in that genre. Like the movement is so smooth. You haven't smooth played in this Fortnite game. or PUBG. I have played them. When have you played PUBG? A year, two years ago. When did you? Where did you play PUBG? On. You've never played PUBG. Don't even. Don't even joke Okay, with maybe me. I've, I've, I definitely played Fortnite. I don't think I played PUBG. I think you played Fortnite for like I've five. Seen, I've a seen minute. enough of PUBG to know what the gameplay is like. Yes, like, it is different. It's definitely a lot jankier. Yes. I mean, you can't deny that the the uh, the core game, not even the gameplay, just the quality of Apex compared to a PUBG. Is, I don't know. PUBG is still way better. Yeah, I'm not saying PUBG is a terrible game. Like, I'm just saying like. It, when, it, when Apex Legends launched, everybody said, wow, it's amazing that this game is free because of the quality you can tell in it. Like mm. the, the, the... Fortnite's also free. Yeah, well, yes, but Epic Games has got billions of dollars to throw at that That's thing. Because of, that is because of Fortnite. <laughs> yes, I know. But, but I'm just saying, like, Apex could have definitely been a dud. Like, it launched, oh, it kind of launched out of the blue. It was going into without... a genre that was already becoming right. stagnant. Um, like too full. So the fact that Apex is where it's at now, the popularity it's had over the last year is amazing. Um, and it, like I said, it helped me from day one. It was definitely my most played game of 2019. We saw the PlayStation stats oh, yeah. on it. Something like 800 hours or something like that. Something like that. Um, and, uh, and definitely there'll be a lot more to come in 2020. For sure. But uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to season four coming out February 4th. There's actually a new trailer launching tomorrow afternoon, Ooh, which I'm looking forward to watching. Cancel everything. You can't deny that they're... Their uh, trailers, their videos leading up to these seasons have been amazing. Like all the CGI stuff they've done. Did, all the... Well, the only thing that sucks is the leaks. Like those things would have been so much cooler if data miners well, didn't. I don't think totally. blame the dev, blame the community for that. The yeah, keeps hacking everything and spoiling all these 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 teases that they have. But whatever. I mean, I'm still happy with with the way everything's going, and I and I hope they have another strong year ahead of them. Um, I'll definitely keep playing it until population drops off or the server shut down yeah. or something i don't know i mean although it's funny that i did mention that it was a it's a free-to-play game but it's definitely the game in 2019 that i spent the most money on yeah for sure for well cosmetics. But, but to be fair you didn't buy many other games because of it no and i, I again I'm, I'm spitballing here but i'd say i probably spent close to five six hundred dollars on apex last year if not more probably but you were a whale but if you yeah, but if you look at again, if you look at the the entertainment ratio, like the number of hours I spent on it relative to the number of dollars I spent on it, it's 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 still a fair value. Well, like, considering like every year you used to play MLB games, like, like if you're gonna ask me, would you would you rather would I rather spend six hundred dollars for eight hundred hours of entertainment with an amazing uh, first person video game that I love, or I could easily just go spend six hundred dollars on a couple of Leafs tickets. Mm. Go to Maple Leafs game and spend the same amount of money for two hours in entertainment. It's still on a bucket list, but I know I'm not saying I don't want to go to Leafs game. I'm just saying it's relative, right? You can spend a ton of money to go to a sporting event, yeah. last night for two to three hours, or spend almost a year playing an awesome video game. And again, the reason I wanted to spend all that money is not just for the cosmetics were amazing, but I also wanted to give back to the developers. Of course, you know I want them to support them because yeah. I know a lot of people aren't paying for this game. For sure. They're just riding out the free train, you know yeah. what I mean? So, and like you said, because I'm not wasn't spending a lot of money in other games last year yeah like you usually are mlb the show like all day every day yeah and it totally you did, barely even played it i felt kind of bad for dishing the show last year because i still hey think it's shows, coming up to all consoles now so it's like the show's a great game it's just apex yep. just took me away completely yep. and a lot of that again had to do with apex they were very good at the whole carrot on the stick thing mm. like the battle passes the challenges everything yep. had me chasing that you know and they'll do it again yeah exactly they will do it again um but that's fine we need valentine's outfits yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can see it, I guess. I mean, I don't... I, don't I need know. Mirage in a suit, is what I need. And then I need a, the Funko of him. 
Yeah, that was by far the greatest Christmas gift you, you got me was those uh, Funkos. For Man, the... finding them all in one place was a pain in the butt. I bet. Now I gotta find the special edition ones now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Apex. Still going strong. <laughs> Other than that, um, I have kind of dabbled in the uh, the Uncharted, the Nathan Drake collection. Because hmm. that was the PlayStation Plus freebie this month. Um, so I, this month? Yeah, for Jan- January. Oh, okay. yeah. I so, uh, so I beat Uncharted 1 last week. Um, so and now, now I'm probably halfway through Uncharted 2. Okay. So bad. Right. You want to get into the whole critique on the Drake Kings? We can do it. We're going to be here for a while. Oh, Naughty Dog is bad. Okay, well, that's a discussion <laughs> for another day. Because you're, you're going to make me blow a, <laughs> blow a gasket here. Um, your opinion on games. I know. The, the, we, this we this is opposite. the crux of the name of this. You think opposites react when it comes to movies? Video games are a totally different matter. We're, we're totally opposites. Last of Us is. Okay, cool. enough. We will discuss Naughty Dog another day. Okay. okay. Um, uh, what, what have you been playing in January? Uh, I beat Little Dragons Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking forward to it for a while. I just finally backlogged it. <laughs> and uh, it was... It was it started off fun, but it's it's like a, it's so structured, and it wasn't as farm like as I thought it would be. It's like you you inherit not inherit, but you have to take care of a cafe because your mom is sick. So you and your twin hire some people. You run this cafe. You and you at the same time you're raising this dragon um, because the dragon will help your mom get not sick anymore. I don't know, cure her, I should say. <laughs> but the whole game is you spending your time going out and picking ingredients. You're not, you don't have your own farm. You're not doing seeding or anything. You're literally going to the harvest spots, picking it. Um, and then you're making recipes, new recipes for your cafe. You're feeding your dragon to make him cooler. Um, and then every, every, I don't know, few hours, you get a new vignette of a, like a, a new customer comes in. They have problems. We fix them. And there's like eight of those, I think, eight or nine. Um, so the whole game is literally like all these chopped up vignettes. Mm. So after like the first two, you're like, oh my gosh, is the rest of the game going to keep going like this? And 100% does. Like it doesn't stop. You like, you you know what's coming. You know that they're going to come through the door. They're going to have a problem. We're going to fix the problem with food. We send them off. And it's the whole game. Um, so it was not as uh, endearing as I hoped it would be. But the art was the best part of that game. Mm-hmm. It was like a really cool, like, I don't even know what to call it like pencil drawn shading even i don't know i don't know but it was the best part like the music got repetitive it was good at the starting but it was super repetitive but yeah no i'm glad i beat it and now it's off my radar um i, I beat picross s2 100 finally going back to the old dragon for a second yes. before cutting off um do you know when that game came out i believe 2018 and uh is it a ps4 exclusive or no it's also on switch on switch as well okay who developed it do you remember was it a prominent studio? I think or... Axis published oh, it. Published, yeah. But I thought it had to do something with some other Harvest Moon Story of Seasons kind of person. I'm, I'm how how many hours before. do you think you played it for? Probably roughly? 30. About 30 hours? Because I went for the... I tried to go for now the Was, was there any kind of post-game stuff? Or is it... Not really. Like, they're just... After the post-game, they're like, okay, now your dragon can do one... You can change the size of your dragon because he grows throughout the game. You can change the size of him to get in certain other spaces to get mm-hmm. new ingredients to make different recipes. That's literally only post-game. Okay. Because the whole game, there's, there's you're on an island, and there's, like, this one bridge that goes to another island. So I thought the so I thought the whole point of the game was getting to this island. Turns out the island <laughs> had nothing to do with anything. Like, this bridge, you just can never cross the whole game. I'm like, 
there's got to be something over there. This whole time, it's like, you can't go there. You can't go there. It's like, that must be endgame stuff. Nothing. Hmm. No, and like at the end of the game, I'm like, I can finally go over there. And it, the game didn't get any kind of DLC or anything, right? It's Not like, that I know of. Yeah, it's just like a standalone thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it sold very well kind of thing. So it was <laughs> like a one-off. So, yeah, no, it was good. Like, But I, I probably would have bounced off of it if I wasn't so... Like, determined to finish it. Yeah, it I, get, I get like that. So sorry, um, you said you were playing Picross. Pick, I hundred percent at Picross S two. Now I only have one left, two hundred percent out of all the Picross games. So I'm that, very that's proud your of myself. Apex Legends right there. That's your. Oh, it is my vice. guilty pleasure for yeah. sure. Like a new Picross game comes out, everything stops. I don't know what would be worse though, is Picross or Animal Crossing? Like I don't know. We'll find out who soon. would win. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Once I hundred percent is Picross, which I'm close to doing. The, the I'm doing Kimono Friends right now. Um, then, uh, then I don't know. It will be in February. I don't know what comes out in February. P- Patamon 2 comes out tomorrow, though, on PS4. So that will probably be my next Patamon? Patapon. I thought you said Patamon. I know what you meant. I'm just saying. She's Pat- Louise. For what she said, Patapon. Patapon. There you go. But yeah, that comes out tomorrow. So I'm very excited for that. I'll probably play that. I started Atelier Aisha. Yes, I know you did. Driving me bonkers trying to 100% that game. It's such a chore. You have to follow a guide or else you are just not not going to get there. Yeah. And it totally sucks. But I was less than two months in, and I was already off the guide. Like I was already, my time was already off. It's ridiculous. It's just like following a Persona game, but I love Persona. But I love the Atelier games too. The 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 newer games totally dropped the time stuff. Like there's no there's no I don't know if there's no, but that you don't have to be so specific about with your time. But the older ones are just blasphemy. <laughs> They're not chill as I thought as I hoped they would be. But yeah, so let's say I'm going to get Pradapon 2 tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And let's say, I don't know, when, I don't know how often you want to record this, probably. But I would like to be Pradapon 2 before the next time we record. So I think the next time we should do a recording should be either on or after February 4th, which is pretty much a week from today, right? Although, what's today? 20, no, 29. What day is the fourth? The fourth is next Tuesday, I yes, believe. Yes, it is. Because I basically want to give my impressions on season four of Apex when that starts. Sure. And I'll probably watch a couple more movies. And the then. Super Bowl. Yeah, we can just get the Super Bowl, yes. Who are well, you picking? Yes, my way as well touching that. Who, I, who do I think is going to win or no. who do I want to win? Uh, okay, think first. Well, I, I guess they're, they're one and the same. Oh, okay. I would, I, I would say I want Kansas City to win, and I think Kansas City will I win. I think Kansas City will win. I do not want them to win. Why do you not want them to because win? Because Garoppolo what about Garoppolo? I don't know. I just like Garoppolo. He's got lots more chances. Like, well, okay. My, I guess my main motivation. Okay, let's put it this way: you can't deny this either. Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. Facts. Okay. Yep. Um, it's very interesting because obviously Kansas City is an offensive team. San Francisco is a defensive yes. team. So they're definitely clashing. Like it's going to be best of the best, right? Yes. So if I was going to pick an edge here, I would say I want Kansas City to win because I think. It's probably the best chance Andy Reid has to win a Super Bowl. Ah, uh, this is a I fact. want Andy to get one. The San Francisco coach, Kyle Shanahan, he's young. He's yep. going to have a lot of chances probably, especially if – I think I think San Francisco is going to be a good team. They're built for the next four or five years. Yes. They're built to – especially in that division. Their only real competition is probably Seattle. Um, I love Seattle. You know, um, Kansas City could also probably be a, a, a perennial contender because I think their division is pretty weak. And, yep. and like as long as Mahomes is healthy, they'll probably have a shot. So – both teams are in a good position for the long term, but uh, I like to see Kansas City win. And I this think game makes win. me happy. Like I'd, this is a good Super Bowl. To watch. I'd say I think it'd be close. I'd say Kansas City wins by like four. 
I think it's either a blowout or nothing. I can't see it being a blowout just because it's Kansas City. Here's, here's, the, pro- here's, here's the problem too. If Kansas City does manage to get up like twenty-one nothing early, I think it's done because San Fran doesn't have the firepower to catch up that quickly, and San Fran's game relies a lot on running. Like if San Fran gets a lead early, mm. you know what their strategy is going to be? If they get a lead early, they're going to just run the heck out of the clock, keep Mahomes off the field, just run it down there to Kansas City's throat, and then hope to control the game that way. But turnovers will be big too, obviously. But uh, I, uh, I guess since we're still talking about Super Bowl, we can mention. Um, so it's it's in Miami this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that. I think it probably said before it's in Miami. Um, is that the dome? No, it's not a dome. It's outdoors. Okay. Uh, it's where the Dolphins play. I figured that, but I'm just thinking. Well, I, 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 I always I know get Miami, up with the, bi- I'm just the saying, baseball I'm just saying Florida has three. You have Jacksonville, you have Tampa Bay, you have Miami. So three oh, stadiums yeah. in Florida, but obviously this one's in Miami where the Dolphins are. Yeah. So um, Super Bowl halftime show, J-Lo oh, and Shakira. Yeah. I don't. It's time. That's I don't care. Time. I never watched the halftime shows anyway. So your mom loved last year. Was I Adam Levine last year? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, this year is here. Uh, I think the anthem this year is Demi Lovato. Is that what it is? I think you're right. Yes, that's pretty good. Hmm. Um, yeah, it should be a good game. Um, definitely, definitely look forward to watching it. And then you have to go then, pick up snacks. Yes, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny for me. So, so obviously, once Super Bowl is over, I mean, obviously, football is done again until September. Yeah, that obviously a long gap between seasons. So, but once for me, once the Super Bowl ends, I'm in baseball mode. It is baseball fantasy. Because <laughs> well, spring, like, spring training, they report like mid February. Yep. Actual spring training games start at the end of February or early March. I can't remember. Seasons. I, I was looking at the MLB schedule earlier, and the season starts like it keeps getting earlier and earlier. I think this year it starts March 27th. I thought that was like 26th last year, so it's about the same uh, time. It's 28. Right. Okay, we're gonna have to fact check this too. Apex and MLB. Fine, we'll fact check things for the next. We'll, we'll have corrections. Yes, yeah, next... corrections. Just prove I'm right. Shout out to Giant Beastcast, <laughs> one of our favorite podcasts. Well, that's or Lucas's favorite part of the show. Corrections. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, man, look, looking at this thing, else, we're coming up on two hours here. Holy we're, crow! We've been for a long time. I want to lose my voice. <laughs> maybe we should. Oh my gosh! Maybe we should probably wrap up this. Okay. Uh, video or keep saying video i know we should wrap up this podcast, podcast. Okay. yes yes we'll, we'll if you get... listen this far i'm impressed <laughs> yes yes thank you for listening to us rants and really it's just the two of us having a conversation with each yeah. other but if you took anything away from this like it wouldn't be as big it. next time like if you do it on a weekly basis you won't have a whole month of things to talk about. oh for sure yeah no so I, this was like your this was a catch-up yeah this was a yeah because this was our sort of like almost our january summary yeah so yeah if we do it on a weekly or even semi-week or Bi-weekly? Bi-weekly? We, we, well, even on bi-weekly basis, like twice a month, I think. Well, then you have the Oscars to talk about then, too. That's true. Well, yeah, that's right. So next next podcast will be Oscar discussion, Super Bowl discussion, and Apex discussion. So next one will be kind of long, too, probably. But we shall see. Okay. Well, I think we'll wrap it up. Cool. Thank so you. thanks. Thanks for listening. And thank you for chatting with me. <laughs> Teaching me all about the new movies and TV shows. Well, it's the end of episode one for Opposite Streets. Yes. Thank you very much. I'll see you next time. Bye.